Hello, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. I'm trying to talk loud because I always record the intro too quietly. And then I crank up the, the volume on the channel and it still doesn't go loud enough in my editing program. So I'm going to just try and keep my voice louder so that the level is better. I mean, ever since I took the recording of this podcast over levels and technical stuff like that have kind of gone out the window. So, uh, just bear with me here. Um, so anyway, today we have Casey Love who's a friend of mine, a really great sculptor, painter, and, uh, monster mask dude creature designer he has some really uh amazing creature designs i love his work and um i've been wanting to have him on for a while and so i finally got him on and we had a nice chat that went for over two hours so really good interview so that's happening today uh let's see so what have i been doing this week. Oh, last week I took off because I had some deadlines. I had some paintings I had to get done for a couple group shows that I agreed to be in way back when. And, um, uh, some frame corner sculptures for the tool posters. Those are pretty cool. Finish those up and, uh, doing book stuff. And I, I don't think I mentioned this before. I don't think this was the case before I took last week off. But I did send all of the material, all of the book material I've been working on to the graphic designer finally. So she is putting things together. Like she saw my mock-up. She's totally into it. And she is uh, she now has access to all the files and is putting things up, pro- putting things together properly to get this book done, the dystopia book. So... That's pretty exciting. That's a a huge milestone for me. So very happy about that. I still have kind of a lot of work to do on it, but it's all doable. It's no longer this nebulous idea that I can't get out of my head. It's it's happening. So that's the biggest news for me. Uh, Anyway, let's see. Okay, let's get on with the new subscribers, the Patreon subscribers. If you want to support the podcast, I'm going to just say this at the beginning of of uh, each episode now instead of the beginning and the end because what happens is I record the intro after the podcast usually and at the end of the podcast I always mention it and then when I record the beginning of the podcast I mention it and it's just kind of dumb. So I'm just going to say you can join the Patreon Support the podcast so that everyone gets it for free. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash darkartsociety. I have a Patreon too. Patreon.com slash chetzar if you want to join for as little as a dollar a month. That's where I'm posting all of my new work. Anyway, if you if you join the Dark Art Society, you get the podcast a day early. And all kinds of other benefits you get in the secret Facebook group and the website and uh, you become part of the community. And uh, yeah, so that's that. Um, here's the new new, new subscribers. Uh, you get your name read off on the podcast too. Okay, so. Uh, okay. Oh, I got to not. Oh, these are deleted. <laughs> 
Okay. I thought we had a bunch of new subscribers, but there are a bunch of people that deleted the podcast, uh, deleted their pledges. So, um, okay. We've got Jim Yankowski. Thank you, Jim. Tim Lee. Thank you, Tim. Cody. And thank you, Cody. And Rachel L. Heimbigner. Thank you, Rachel, for supporting the podcast. Okay, let's get on with it. Here is my interview with the amazing mask maker, creature designer, effects dude, Casey Love. Okay, hope you enjoy it. Here it goes. What's up, Casey? Hey, Chet, what's going on? <laughs> Good to see you. You too, man. Like like we haven't been talking for half an hour before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some good juicy stuff too, and you're never gonna hear it. No, never hear it. Uh, how's how's the uh, quarantine treating you? Uh, good. You know, trying to stay uh, upbeat as much as possible, and uh, keep. I'm very busy, so that's good. I think that keeps my mind occupied. Right. Uh, I definitely, though, am guilty of being on Facebook too much, looking at stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I, I've been actually on less than ever, but I still go on once in a while just because it's like, I don't know. It's it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like a, com- a compulsive, habitual behavior you get used to. You just go on there to look just to get some kind of entertainment, I guess. Yeah. But um, I have to say I've been on less than I've ever been, I think. So, And it's it's good. I like it. Yeah, I need to cut back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but no, I, um, you know, just I'm keeping pretty busy with everything. And um, so it's that's a good thing. And I got the two kids, so I got to, you know, stay busy with the family and, mm. and job and everything. So it definitely eats up all my time for the week. So, right. That's cool. Yeah. You're, How about you're, you? Um, I'm. I'm good. I'm just, you know, I'm uh, working, working away as, as always. Not, like I, I keep telling people, nothing has really changed much for me since I never go yeah. anywhere anyway. Um, I know with kids, it's a whole different, well, you're home, you're homeschooling or, or I think, right? Yeah. But, so that's not that much different anyway, because they're no. not going to school. So that's good. Actually, it's a little bit better in one regard because they're doing less hours than they were. And in school, because they're doing a more focused, like just from eight thirty to eleven, straight teaching. Then mm-hmm. we do his homework, and then I basically start my day job after that by eleven, eleven thirty. Oh, so it's cool. kind of kind of cool because then, you know, if he was going to school till two thirty. Sure, he'd be at school, but like, I don't know. He's for I guess it's better for him really because then he's get you know the kids get more time throughout the day to do other stuff. Right, right. Yeah, it must be so weird to be a kid right now. Yeah, I, so, I can't even imagine not not being able to go and. Yeah, we never went through any of this, not to mention in the 80s, you know, it was like just, I don't know, man, a safer feeling. Now, I feel I feel bad because like I grew up in this neighborhood where there was kids all over the place, you know, running yep. around. And now we live, you know, it's like it hasn't really been that way for my son. And I know. I, bummed you know that's how it is with the with the, my granddaughter it's like they come up i live in a nice neighborhood like i i got in to a kind of a a, a a neighborhood that was 
you know, like an average neighborhood and it, yeah. and, and the whole city got nice as you know, we kind of got in right at the right time. There's no way I could afford this house now. No way. Cause the property values have gone up. The neighborhood's great, very safe, but still <clears throat> it's like, I don't feel comfortable with her being in the fucking front yard right? without someone being with her. And it's like, yeah. I, I was, you know, when I, I used to be like six years old, I would go in San Pedro. I, I'd leave my house. I'd go and buy it. I'd go down to the store, cross a major highway, like a major street walk. You know, it was probably, it was a mile and a half, maybe two miles yeah. on my own and go and I'd buy a toy by myself and I'd walk home like a model. I'd get an Aurora monster model. Yeah. You know, this is like 75 or something or 74 right. and come back home by myself, get the, get the toxic model testers, model glue, <laughs> build yeah. the thing myself. And it was like, we were kind of on our own when we were kids or you'd be gone all day. Yeah. You not cool. have to check in no cell phones. No, or you got yelled at if you didn't check in. Yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like you push it just a little too long and you kind of knew it in the back of your mind, but you're like, ah, it's good. Right. You know? <laughs> I, I, nothing, nothing's different here. And then you come home and you're like, you didn't check in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was. I, that's. I think maybe the difference between the 70s and the 80s is that you didn't have to check in in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to check in. No, man, it's crazy. It's just a different time we live in. And, and yeah. I kind of feel bad for my for my kids because it's like they're growing up very differently in a way than I did. And I guess you just want them to have that. But then at the same time, it's just, a, it's just a different era, you know? Or just yeah. Just, yeah. Because they're different. I mean, it was stupid in a lot of ways. You know, I used to, you know, we'd set up jumps with our bikes and yep. no one wore a helmet. Nope. And none of that stuff, you know, no shirt, no shoes. Pair of yeah. shorts, jumping on asphalt, you know, jumping on a bike when you're yeah. 10 years old. That was, like, common. No, it was that was normal. I mean, I grew up my younger years in Temple City. And oh, really? I, yeah, and then through high school, I lived in your neighborhood. I lived in Monrovia. You did? Yeah. Did we talk about this? Because I, I don't remember that. I think we've mentioned it crossing paths, but never really got a chance to discuss it. But I lived up mountain off of Brad Oaks. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I lived what? off at two four two Brad Oaks for a while over there. That was like right. I lived on mountain. Um, I lived right. on, on mountain below. You know, right like between. Um, what street? What's uh, Lemon? Like Lemon and yeah. uh, Foothill. I was kind of basically in the middle on mountain on the on the right hand side. If you're or the north facing the mountains, it'd be on the right side. That's a yeah. trip. Yeah, because I think I, I remember like when I first heard that Altarian was in Monrovia, I freaked out. I was like, where? Like, <laughs> and then when I found out where it was, the building, uh -huh. I was like, I drive past that building every day three times or four times. Like, how did I not know that there was an effect shop right there? Well, that's how effect shops are, though. You never – it's like yeah. they just look like industrial buildings from the outside. <laughs> yeah. we, that's why I ended up moving here because I was living in San Pedro and uh, um, it was like I got sick of that drive. And, sure. Um, so uh, my wife just was driving around one day. She, she would some days she would like drop me off and then go to her friend's house in Hollywood and then pick me up on the way home. And yeah. um, uh, she just found a place and we we're like, hey, let's try it out. And so uh, but um, 
the first place was down Myrtle, right next to the the graveyard, was the first place that Alterian was. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, That's it was kind of like a sketchy neighborhood at the time too. It's it's nice. it, it's it's not as bad as I don't know if you've been there lately, but it's like it's not that not quite as bad down there. Yeah. But um, then he moved to Mountain mm. after that, you know, right yeah. next to, right next to that. Uh, there's an In and Out Burger right next to it now. But, well, In and Out now, man. Yeah. I remember a Tommy's burger going in or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. It's pro- it probably is. No, I think it's an, in- I don't remember. Maybe. In- yeah. There's a Taco Bell behind it too. Right. And then like, right. uh, yeah. King yeah. Mark used to be there or something. Yeah. I think yeah. Or Michael's, I don't know, but I know that they really changed Monrovia. I was there when Monrovia really started making that, that change around, you know, that, right. I did live there. I was going to high school, I think, at the time, or just getting out of high school anyway. But they, I remember all the, the sort of like – it was weird, man. It was like this you, – you know what I mean? Like this 180, like you knew they were trying to really just turn things around and they had gang problems for a mm-hmm. while. So I remember that happening in high school, shootings and stuff. And right. It was nuts. Of course, I was a metalhead, so it didn't – you know, I was, just, <laughs> a metal, I was like, you know, one of five metalheads – you know, in, in right. this, you know, <laughs> what's going on, man? <laughs> but uh, just want to listen to you know metal and and shit and just you know try skateboard and whatnot. <laughs> right, right. We were always skating at that pavilions down there, Yvonne's pavilion. Oh, that's so fun. So what? I moved here oh, in like '91, I think. '91, I think. So I moved away. I was there then. I moved away in 98. Oh, wow. Seven. I think it was 97. I moved. We moved to Washington State. My parents, my dad got, he worked for an insurance company, Prudential at the time, and he got uh, an offer to go to Washington State, which was great because my brothers had relocated up there from California and they were working for a video game company. So my parents kind of wanted to move up there anyway. And, uh, and then I was going to stay behind. I remember I was trying to decide to stay mm-hmm. behind or not. And I ended up going anyway because I didn't think – I was kind of scared. Like I was, I was too scared. Like I don't know if I can afford to live on my own. You yeah. know that? Like shit, man. That's a lot of money that I don't have. And I'm working at – at that time, I was just working at a skateboard shop and wasn't making a lot of money. So You could have worked in Ontario. But I went so- – yeah, oh, dude. By the time I found out about all that, I was so like bummed that I didn't know. But then again, you would have had this annoying brat knocking on your door, like let, <laughs> let me work here. <laughs> you know? That's um, like Rob Botin was in El Monte, Azusa or El Monte or, or El, oh yeah, I think he's from El Monte and he had a place in Azusa or I don't know something like. But that's right, a general right. area. And it was like a little, wasn't it like on the right hand, like uh, the north side of the street, like a little brick building i think i drove by it a couple times yeah. like a, on a building or something i know i know the place that people said it was i, I didn't know for sure but people <laughs> told me it was in this area because i never worked there but yeah i mean either i it yeah, i've been awesome but yeah i it was just crazy to me to find out you know um that that's where it was and i lived in that town for gosh i must have lived in monrovia for like a good eight to ten years i think that's crazy. That's so weird. And we were living at the same time. We were d- working on Adam's family, 
values, I think it was, and the swamp thing. Dark man. We were working there when you were living. We were like, you were living, you know, a couple miles away when we were working on all that stuff. Yeah, man. I was always coming down Norumbega. Uh I was down mountain. Man, it's crazy to think of. I I remember, though, like when I found out, I was just like, oh, what? Like, (laughs) I was so bummed because it was something like, you know, I had been thinking about wanting to do, you know, obviously. Yeah. When did you when did you get into this stuff? I mean, you know, you're you're uh, for people. I mean, I'll talk talk you up in the intro, but, you know, uh, how'd you get into makeup effects and masks and all this stuff? Well, so the mask, it, it all started with the mask thing. Really. I have to kind of go back and attribute it to that because in the, you know, in the eighties, as you know, you know, it's our kind of our era set. Well, you were born in seven, you're a little older than I am. I was so. born in the sixties. I was born in 67. Oh, yeah. I was born in 74. So, oh, okay. Um, anyway, the, the, you know, as I was about six, seven, eight years old, um, we used to go all the time uh, shopping for like, I played a lot of sports when I was a kid. I had parents that were very proactive about me playing sports. You know, I played baseball, soccer, tennis, skateboarding, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, uh, it was like, you know, every season as, you know, soccer comes along or whatnot, you know, Halloween stores are opening up. And uh, it's kind of like they were kind of hand in hand. And so we would always take a trip up to the Santa Anita Mall, which is not – I don't think it's called that now. I right, yeah. Name, but we knew it as Santa Anita with the racetrack and, yep. and what. So my parents would always take me to the Foot Locker there, right, to mm-hmm. get soccer cleats. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every time we're walking into that mall every year to get soccer cleats, right on the corner was this um, Hallmark card store that you would go get you know cards you want to send to a loved one or whatever right. well they were notorious every year for hanging masks like they would hang them from the ceiling they had those push-up ceilings where you could they would like i don't know how they did it. i think they just used like fishing string or whatnot uh-huh. and they hang them from the front of the store almost all the way to the back of the store i mean they had all the dawn post star wars and right something studios and distortions and all this you know that everything right well so as we're walking up to this cleat store which yeah soccer was fun and all that but that as you can imagine for a kid like me was just like you know (laughs) oh my god so i would i I remember there was times where i would they'd take me into that footlocker and i would try on those shoes so fast but i would run no no joke this is not fabricated run out of that fucking store in my socks (laughs) bail from my parents and go in to look at the halloween mask (laughs) next door and uh you know they have to drag me back over come on i gotta make sure they fit right and we're like ah you know but um You know, so that's where it all really started for me is like, you know, the masks. And and of course, I couldn't afford those masks. That's the thing. I I could never afford them. No, they were like 60 to 80 bucks for the awesome mask. Right. You know, my parents, you know, back in the 80s, that was a hell of a lot of money to people. You know, nowadays it's like nothing. But Mm -hmm. back in that time, that was like if a and especially on something that, you know, parents are like, it's something he wears once, but they didn't understand that this, I look, I saw this as something not just that you wear, but that it like, to me, it was like a piece of art in my right. mind. Well, it hasn't even been, it hadn't been established as that at that point. It's like, those guys were sort of the pioneers 
as far as like making masks that were really like works of art. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know, to my, in my brain, you know, is that, cause I, I have vivid memories of these times. I mean, those stick out probably in my mind more than anything about my childhood other mm-hmm. than being scared to death of the fucking boogeyman, which we, <laughs> we can get into. But I, that's really just as like a burnt in my mind memory uh, and the, I guess those memories just bring happiness to me. So I, I really am fond of them. And, but that's where it started. I think that's where it, like it all sunk in. And then shortly after that came, you know, horror films and stuff. Like I remember seeing, um, uh, day of the dead and dawn of the dead at a pretty early age. I mean, right. I, I was eight when I saw day of the dead for the wow. first time. <laughs> yeah. Was, like, I was, How did you manage that? My brother, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my brother and his buddy, he, my brother had a friend from high school, this, this guy, Dave, he was a punk rock dude. And we all looked up to him as like, you know, he listened to the misfits and he drove a kind of like a blue bug. And that was kind of, uh, he would have this cool, like look, kind of lowered blue bug. I think it was before even lowered cars were popular, you know, right. but he kind of had this cool bug and it had misfit stickers and he had a leather jacket. We always looked like it was that. It's like, you know, in a movie, that cool metal dude that every younger <laughs> kid looks up to, like, oh, to be that guy. You know? <laughs> so, and me and another buddy who I just caught up with the other day um, that I've known since I was four from Temple City, I mean, we were, we were good friends. And our older brothers were all friends with this guy, Dave, too. And, you know, he was a good dude. And, um, and he introduced us to a lot of that stuff, you know, Return of the Living Dead. And I remember, uh, my buddy and I would we would rent if it you know if we weren't renting because uh, you know at the, when you're that young you're trying to be kung fu guy ninja <laughs> break dancer and, and you know and you're into watching horror movies so like we'd go to the local you know talk our parents into going to like the the local uh, rental store right to rent VHS movies so right. we're always buying like you know Nightmare on Elm Street or Return of the Living Dead or, you know, Dawn of the Dead. And so we were, that's what we were watching. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, uh, that's pretty young. I think I saw, uh, for, for watching the shocking violence of <laughs> Day of the Dead and Dawn yeah. of the Dead. I mean, I saw, I saw it when it came out. I saw Dawn of the Dead when it came out in the theater. Um, so I think it was, what year did that come out? It was like 78. Shit, I have it on right there. <laughs> Good uh, man. Funny enough. And let me look. Hold up. Okay. Hold up. I'm gonna, he's going to check, but I am pretty sure it is. it came out in 1978. 78 or 79. I'm bad with dates, so I, I would not be the first person to to say it. Of course, if I can even see. It's 74. What? What? It's, Dawn of the Dead? No, that can't be. No, That's, no. Yeah. It's, 70, it's 78 or 79. Now I have to look online. Why does this say 74 on the back? I have this thing. You've seen this? This, like, collector's? Yeah, I can't find mine. I bought it, and it's like I've really been wanting to to watch it. Uh, Yeah, 1978 on IMDb. Okay, yeah, I was like, I don't know why this says this. I can't read it, of course. I I can't read small type anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I mean, I'm terrible at the dates with movies. Right. But... Yeah, so I was like 11, probably 10 or 11 when I saw Dawn of the Dead in the theater. And it just 
was like what i mean it was like it was a it was a life-changing moment for me i mean that was one of the movies that got me into effects it was like oh my god this is amazing how did they do that you know yeah i mean i saw it god i was so young when i saw day of the dead but i remember seeing that i could be wrong it could have been dawn first but i saw i was a zombie it was that and then i remember it was later return of the living dead i think when i was a little bit older return of the living dead came out and it was like that was cool because it was like it wasn't as serious right. but you know it had like that comical side mm-hmm. to it um yeah, but comedy horror comedy horror yeah but it was it was just like the cool like i i can't recall how many times we rented that you mm-hmm. know in my buddies it must have been over and over you know multiple times renting that because right. it sucked Suck to have to bring that movie back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tony Gardner worked on that. That was like uh, before he yeah. start, started Alterian. He did the dog, I think, the cut in half dog, and he, and he, he did some. Oh, he did the table lady, the lady on the table, the torso yeah. lady. Oh, 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 uh, um, yeah, because it makes the pain go away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that lady's awesome. Yeah, that, that's right. He did do that. Effect. Yeah, he was called that, in. I think. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. But it was all that accumulation of stuff that, you know, really, it was weird because it's like for me, I was really naive um, as a kid when it came to like knowing um, all the mass makers and the companies. I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really care who the company was at the time (laughs) when I was eight or nine years old. Like that didn't matter to me. It was just oh my god this is a cool mask and and uh you know i remember seeing fang face and melted uh melting man and you know all these uh really bitching masks and all the don post stuff and whatnot but it was like i didn't i wasn't familiar with the companies you know like when i was that young it was kind of like um you know that's not that's kind of like the last thing i think i thought of or or, and I didn't. I don't think I even understood that these were sculpted by somebody and then molded and how. You know, I didn't understand. Yeah, you just, yeah. You just have no concept of how these things were well, made. You just know they're cool as hell. Yeah, it's just cool, you know. And I collected a few that I could actually get my parents to buy for me, which were like the more twenty dollar, you know, cheaper. I did have one be something. I think it was the Phantom or something like that. I had one, and. Uh, and then as I got a little older and could get some money, I would buy them every once in a while at Halloween time if I could afford one, you know, and right. again, like if I had 30 bucks or something. So I wasn't even buying the top end, you know, uh, awesome ones I really wanted. Right. And my parents didn't have no idea that this would turn into something I would do. They're just, <laughs> you know, that's, I'm not spending 80 bucks on a piece of rubber, you know? <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, that's the start. And then um, really for uh, most of my life, you know, my time in Monrovia, going to high school and growing up and all that, it was like skateboarding was like the big thing, you know. Mm -hmm. I went through a period with friends where it was like skateboarding, BMXing and and all that stuff. And that was kind of like, you know, uh, I knew all about that. Right. Who the companies were and whatnot. So it wasn't until later – on that I started started to get familiar with um, the mass companies and who actually made this stuff once I took interest in wanting to do it, you know, which was mm-hmm. when I, which was later. So it was a little bit different for me. Like I didn't really get into making masks until I was like, I think I was 25. Oh, wow. 
old, yeah, like 25 or 26. Old timer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but once I got into it, um, then it was like, you know, oh shit, I had that mask or I knew that mask and oh, it's that company and oh, this guy sculpted it. And, right. you know, it was like an eye opener. Like it was kind of cool, I guess, because it was like, okay, now I understand and now I'm learning who all these people were. So it's kind of different because I know like a lot of mask guys grew up and they understood, you know, I think they were a little older than I was at the time and Mm -hmm. they understood like all that stuff already, which I wish I did. And it's like, in fact, effects is the same way. I wish I got in earlier, but I just didn't know about it. Yeah. So you, uh, I mean, at what point did you start, you know, making your own masks? I mean, and how did you even learn about how to do it? Because this is that, before the internet, and uh, it, well, it, no, the internet was around, but it was very—it's not like it is today. And the and there was no information out there. But there was what I did discover was I remember this happened. I the minute I decided, uh, well, I was in my bedroom. We we're up in Washington. I was in my bedroom, and I remember I was at that moment, that crossroads moment in your life where you're like, "What the hell do you want to do?" You uh, know. You, you know, you, you got to start thinking about something, you know, and I was really going since I knew all the skateboarding stuff and the action sports. And I was just prior to that managing a, a shop for these people down in uh, California before I moved to Washington. I was thinking like, oh, OK, I'll, I'd saved up some money and I would inherited some money from my grandparents. I was like, OK, maybe I'll use that to start a shop, my own shop, you know, and just do skateboarding and sell snowboards and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But once we moved up there. And, you know, the, the, that industry was getting really saturated. I mean, there was a shop on every corner practically. Right. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like I would – I don't know if I, I could do this. and I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You know, I don't know how much I really am in love with it anymore. And uh, I remember we, I, we had all our boxes. I had all my shit packed up still. And it was all – I had this awesome gigantic room in this huge house my parents bought on this island. We lived on this island called Fox Island. Oh, wow. It was really beautiful. It looked like, dude, my backyard looked like a Bernie Wrightson painting. Wow. It was phenomenal. It was such a cool, inspirational time. So I remember, I, you know, I thinking, like, well, what do I want to do? I don't know. And, and then I started going back. I went into the closet, opened up some boxes. I started to try to find my masks my latex mask. And I found a few of them. And one was a B something and there was a few others. And I just remember looking at them going like, it'd be cool to, to figure out how to make something like this, you know, like to do this. Uh-huh. Well, funny enough, that night, I think it was that night or the next night or on TV, this show came on called Movie Magic. Oh, with, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, we were on there one time. You me, were? Yeah, me and Tony yeah. were. Absolutely, yeah. In fact, I... I remember seeing that episode. Well, the episode that was on was about Rick. It was Rick Baker. Uh-huh. And then I was just like drawn into that whole thing, you know, like, I, and, you know, of course it wasn't specifically about mask making, but it was, you know, it was about effects and what Rick did in his career. But, you know, still it kind of had like, you know how they go hand in hand, you know, mask making is like the first thing you start to learn going right. into it. Yeah, yeah. And it had. So, um, and then I started to try and catch every episode. And I think I was even like videotaping them and shit. You yeah, know? yeah. Copy. And, uh, 
probably unsuccessfully. But anyway, <laughs> I, I I remember the Dick Smith one. I remember the one with you guys on there, the Altarian one. And and uh, and then every once in a while, there was one that you wouldn't be interested in. You know, like, right? Ah, that would suck. You know, <laughs> but I I remember recording those and watching those to death, and then trying to catch every episode. And then I decided, like, oh, let me go on my mom's computer and and because the internet did exist at the what time. What year was this? I think this was. This has to be. I'm gonna guess here, ninety six or ninety seven. Oh, okay, okay. Roughly. Yeah. So I jumped on there and I searched up latex masks or masks or something like that, and what popped up was. Um, I can't remember if it was Death Studios or Monster Makers. Okay. One of the two popped up, and it led me to the other one. I forget how it was. I think it was Death Studios, and I think they had – because back then it was real popular to popular to link your buddies. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. Like you'd have a page that's just links of all yep. your <laughs> – So they had Monster Makers, and I clicked on it, and then it was like this guy selling these mask-making kits. And I'm like, dude, you know, no way. That's what I want to try, you know? So I ended up ordering one of those. It was the whole like latex whole, plaster, yeah, like, like a gallon of latex. Oh, so cool! You know, some some uh, clay plaster, you know, paint, latex paint, like That's a whole amazing. Kit. yeah, sculpting tools. So I ordered this thing right, and I and I remember it, it took a while to get it. You know, I think it came from Ohio, Ohio or wherever they are. Uh, and I, I get this thing, and it's a book that you follow along. But <laughs> that's like that might as well have been written in Chinese. You know what I mean? Uh, because like, it, yeah. Now I look back at it and go, "Oh my god, I, what an idiot I was!" This makes so much sense. It's obvious, you know. But because I know it now. But right. when you don't know it and you're trying to learn, you're not understanding like what do they mean exactly by how much plaster and how much this and that to water and it should look like you're just like what you know it's black yeah. and white pictures it's mm -hmm. not clear so i remember being like my first attempt um was nightmarish it was like you know i couldn't um i got the mold half done i couldn't do a full mold that was like i couldn't understand like how to divide it mm -hmm. I, yep. really, I, I didn't get it like yep. my mom just wouldn't like and so i just like was, was like fuck it i'll just do a half mold you know <laughs> so i did half the face and then i couldn't get the goddamn latex to dry you know and i could and it was just like sludge in there and i man it was such a mess and anyway i i kept trying and then and then i realized like this this i can't figure this out and i was getting real frustrated i was real bummed because i spent all this money on it and all mm -hmm. that so then I started – my next thing was I started looking into schools in Washington like that might teach special effects stuff because I'm like, oh, maybe I should do some of that. And uh, I couldn't find anything. I found like an art institute and I was I, – I interviewed with them or something and, and was asking them like, do you, do you know how to make – you know, do you guys teach this? Do you teach how to do special effects and the makeup? And, and they were like, no, like <laughs> our, our place in Pittsburgh we're associated does, but we don't. You know, they have a, a – and I'm like Pittsburgh. I'm not going out there. You know, that's like for me. That felt like forever. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, so then I started looking up in LA. I'm like, well, my grandparents still live in LA. I could, um, you know, stay with them if I had to. And my dad and it's like, yeah, you could stay down there. They're in Arcadia, right by, right across from, uh, in fact, Santa Anita Mall. Oh wow. So I found cinema. 
makeup school. Oh, right. And, and, uh, I ended up like going down there and it was so funny cause you know, they were talking to me like, well, you know, you should learn beauty and you should learn color theory. And I'm like, ah, fuck that. I want to make monsters. I'm here to make monsters. I don't give a shit about all that. Right? You know, yeah. they, totally idiot. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, this is like, these are the basics that if you want to, you know, understand what to do. We've all been I'm, there. No, you know, <laughs> teach me how to make monsters. So, but I did, I did come into a class late. They signed me up and I did put like, you know, a hundred percent of my effort in and this teacher there at the time, Paul Thompson, Tom, he's now owner of mud. Uh, oh guys, yeah. man, I'm forgetting his last name. Uh, Thompson, Tom, Paul something. Gosh, sorry, Paul. Uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he was awesome. He was a great dude. And, and he stayed after to kind of like help me learn the ropes with molding. Mm-hmm. And I really was there in my mind to kind of, uh, learn the basics of molding and sculpting and whatnot so that I could apply it to this like dream of making masks. Right. So I really funny enough, wasn't even there to really get into effect so much. My mind was really on the mask making Hmm. and and I, and I became friends with this other kid there that was doing it. And he was kind of in the same mindset I was. And at the end of that course, which was very short, it was like a few weeks. Mm. um, (laughs) The Paul comes to me and goes, hey, we're, me and this other teacher you met, Carl, we're going to open up this school called MUD. And, you know, you should be the first student. We're going to teach animatronics, you know. And I'm like, no way. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, cool, sign me up. And it was at the time, it was not what it is today. It was right. like four grand or something. Wow. So I ended up taking it and they ended up opening up a little studio school over there in um, uh, what – shoot what's that area over by where rick lives uh oh shoot lake something to look lake to look lake yeah so, yes couldn't think of it by the bob's big boy right so just down from there uh they opened up a school i took some courses there on um you know this whole how to do an animatronic head which funny enough it's all right out of the dick smith course <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's like copied from, they just took the Dick Smith course. Oh my God. Pretty much. And in fact, they opened up pages of like, we're doing this, you know? <laughs> and uh, it, it was a great learning experience, but it, it gave me those first, I didn't learn a lot about sculpting, unfortunately, but it gave me those first like ground lessons of like, this is how you do a proper mold. This is how you make plaster. This is how you do that. This is how you use uh, resin and this is how you do dental acrylic and you know alginate i knew how to make a life cast and right so like all that stuff was like key to me starting out um and eventually i ran out of money i tried to intern at a few shops out here it didn't really work out um and you know how it is when you're first trying to break into special effects business it's very difficult because you're new you're not very good. Right. You don't really need someone like that. They really need to rely on those got those key guys that are really solid at mm-hmm. the moment. You know, and there was at the at that time there it wasn't like today where today I think shops really see interns as like a valued oh, thing. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, we'll teach you. Come yeah. on. I think it's much easier to break in than it, at the time that I tried. So I went home uh, out of money, back to Washington, you know, back to the parents and I literally 
from that point forward, just got into mass making like crazy. And now I knew what to do. And so I started making masks and then I started painting blank masks of other artists work like Henry Alvarez and different people for all these collectors. Like, wow. And, and it got to be so bad that I know that sounds crazy. Cause like, well, what are you talking about bad? You got all this work, but it got to be so bad because I start taking everything on and then getting so bogged down with just painting masks for other collectors because they were digging the, the, the work that I was doing. They, they, they thought it was like, you know, really high end quality stuff. And so I was like getting loaded with work. And then, uh, I remember just feeling like, ah, oh, man, you know, this is cool, but I'm not making my own masks anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just painting everybody else's stuff for these people and and you know yeah i'm getting paid i think you know 300 bucks to 300 400 bucks a mass depending on what the job was or whatnot but it was like it just became too much like you know work for me of right. other stuff and how, I was just, how are you getting how how did you get in that position like how are people hearing about you so, and, and how did you you skipped the part where you became this amazing mask painter. <laughs> well, How did that happen? <laughs> well, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, sorry, I'm a little going jumping ahead there. So it's like, it's weird because, like, that all started because of um, basically back then, instead of Facebook and Instagram like we have now, uh, we had those, um, uh, uh, what are they, with forums. They called them right, forums, right? right? Yeah. And you had... HMA, which was, you know, the, the mask association one mm -hmm. that was run by Eric Austin. And, you know, we'd all go there, you know, a bunch of mask collectors, sculptors would all congregate at this thing, you know, daily and see people's new work. You could post your work, you could, you know, do that. And then there was another one that I, I want to say, I think uh, John Fuller started and then it got taken over by somebody else along the lines. And then it turned into later like an effects uh page hmm. uh i can't recall the name of it but i know you probably had heard of it but there was like these two forums basically and i so i basically would post my work there okay. post what i would do and then of course from one collector to another you know word of mouth started to spread hmm. and before i knew it within the time that i had left the left la and gotten back home within that first year i was doing just tons of stuff. Now, at the time when I when it, I got to correct myself because when I came back from LA, I wasn't painting yet actually. I hadn't done any real good painting except for like one thing at Mud, you know, like I, this animatronic werewolf that was terrible that I tried to I tried to redo Rick's Wolf and it was horrible. <laughs> it's like, it's so we stupid. all tried to do that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. I did one of those uh, too. <laughs> yeah, it was not Rick's Wolf Trust. You know? <laughs> like, it was pretty bad. But um, I that was the only time I painted, and it was I think we used rubber cement. I think that was my first introduction to rubber cement um, or prosate. I forget what we used. But mm. anyway, I was horrible at painting. I didn't understand color theory or any of that, right? So I came home and uh, – and just started practicing and I was painting everything really dark and crude. I remember it was like, I was showing my mask to a few people thinking that they were cool and they were just like, oh, it's kind of dark and crude. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, what? Like, like, 
like you're wrong you know <laughs> you know how it is and uh, right. so i started practicing um some of that stuff and then um and then actually i had visited uh back in that time i think this was like around i'm gonna guess again 2000 2001 i visited jordu's shop all right yeah and and in fact i had seen i when i first came across um Jordu was at um, a, a makeup show, trade show, the makeup mm-hmm. uh, trade show in Pasadena. And this was before, it, you know, he got real popular and, and things got real big, you know, and, and he was just sitting there kind of like, you know, by himself sculpting at a booth, mm-hmm. you know, doing like original creatures mm-hmm. and, and masks and on display and right. you know, cool, cool art on display. And I remember being in awe, like, whoa, like, that's so awesome, you know. And and I was still very new and, and whatnot. So, but it was just blew, blew, me, blew me away. And I, mm. so I, I think I took a business card or something from him. And, and I think, so later I ended up, like, calling him and contacting him and seeing if I could visit the shop that he had. And, uh, and then uh, sort of became friends with him. Not, you know, close friends, but, like, you know, knew him. And mm. uh, knew him enough. And then he invited me down a couple of times and uh, one of the times I saw him painting and doing this layering and he had told me like, Oh yeah, I learned all these techniques from Aaron Sims, you know? Ah, yeah. And I was like, Oh shit. That, that totally makes sense. Like how you, you know, what you're doing. And I saw him do a few steps of, of that. So I kind of have to really attribute like where my first painting stuff started and, and kind of understanding that sort of process is, right from Jordu and, and, and then, you know, eventually Steve Wang and guys like that. Mm-hmm. But I remember taking that home. Um, and, um, and I think I even read, uh, an article in like an AFM or something where somebody was using Comarts paints, these, these really thin yeah. paints, media that Iwata kind of was making. Right. Yeah. It sounds familiar. It's been a while though. Yeah, and I, and I I couldn't because I couldn't find um, FW acrylic inks. Right, the, that was what uh, I saw Jordu using, and I couldn't find those. I remember like like not sure where to get those, and so I found Comarts, and it was kind of like similar or whatnot. Hmm. So those were the first paints I started ordering, and then I started like you know applying these thin layers on masks and started learning how to break it up and build it up, and I just. I stayed in the my my parents' garage where I had the studio. I stayed in there like you couldn't get me out of there. I mean, I was in there like easily twelve hour days, wow. sculpting and painting, sculpting and painting. But then, like I said, the the way I got good at the mass painting was because I got kind of known for doing all these other masks for right. people, you know, that right. they send me uh, from different artists, and so then, you know. It turned. I mean, it literally. I remember one year it turned into like I must have painted like almost two hundred masks. You must have been rolling in rolling in the dough, <laughs> living in a. You, you would know. think blowing it on you know every piece of clay and sculpture tool I could find. Right, know? right. Yeah, <laughs> it's know? not a cheap hobby. No, that's a thing. And, and I I would always buy extra latex and and yeah. all that you know and so I was spending it as fast as I was getting it and and of course I was also collecting art from others too right like buying a mask from this guy or that right, guy right um and then I got into model kits uh, the resin model kit 
uh, hobby and stuff. And, um, and that, that became kind of part of what I also had was doing at the time, you mm -hmm. know? And so, but yeah, that, that's how the painting kind of got to where I was pretty decent is like just practicing day in and day out. And the funny thing is I never took anything like courses on color theory Oh, and wow. even going to mud in those schools, I was telling those guys, like, you're not putting me in beauty makeup. I'm not touching that. I'm, I was just so against it, which right. is a good thing. I, I wouldn't promote that now because, you know, learning those basics are, are important. You know, I would I would have been a better artist learning right. stuff and understanding it than just being, oh, I'm too cool for that kind right. of attitude. Yeah, this yeah. Young attitude. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I mean – that's how I got good at the painting. And, but then what happened to me, and this has kind of plagued me for even till now, I think is that I'm more known for the painting than the sculpting, you know? And really? my, you, my sculpting suffered. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, Cause I, I mean, as far as my perception of you is, you know, not that you're known more for painting than sculpting. Actually, my perception is more that you're known more for sculpting. Oh well, I it's probably my it's either that or it's my own giant <laughs> security in my right. heart. <laughs> I see. I always get a lot more comments about paint jobs than the sculpt, and I'm uh, always I'm always kind of like, oh shit, man, I wish they comment on the sculpt. But you know, because especially if it's a sculpt, I felt like I really put like a better effort into. Right. But there was a period. I, I'm being honest here. There was a period of like I would say between the 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 2003 to 2009 um especially like 2008 and 9 and 7 i there was this period i was sculpting masks and not really trying to put the full effort out like i wasn't taking my time to really take them all the way i was lacking on the detail side and mm. the forms and just not really trying to as hard as i should have been you know and i th and i don't know if it was just because i might have not had much time to do each sculpture. I mean, honest, honestly, like, you know, with all the painting work, I was still taking on a bunch of work that way to make a living and just starting to work in effects. So it was kind of like, um, I felt like I just wasn't putting out the effort mm -hmm. in the sculpting the way I should and learning and getting better at that end of things. And, you know, the painting kind of took over for me wow. in, a, in a way. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So it was, yeah. But, I think it was around 2011 where I really my even my wife was just she's you know she's really honest with me which is good you know yeah. and I, be and you know I'm a stubborn you know I'm stubborn and just like no you know <laughs> she's just like one day I remember her saying like you know you just your sculpts are just not there yet you know you need to make them better you know wow. not putting enough effort in and you're not really and it was like. It, it was hard to hear, but good advice. That's you know? so, it's so surprising to me because your stuff is, you know, so amazing now. I just, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I assumed you have a different trajectory than most people that come on here. You know, most of the people that come on the show are like doing art since they were a little kid and just focused on that and knowing what they wanted to do at an early age. And it's like, yours, yours, yours is kind of a story of like, pure you know deciding to do something and then just fucking doing it you know yeah. <laughs> it's like i'm i don't know how to do this so i'm gonna learn how to do it and i'm yeah. not very good at this so i'm gonna get good at it by you know f practicing 
Yeah, that's what I did. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's think, inspirational, really, I think. Thanks, man. I think that, and I think that that comes from, you know, I had very good parents, supportive parents that, mm. you know, with all the stuff I did. When I played baseball, I was I, I got good at it. When I did soccer, I got good at it. Tennis, I got good at it. And it wasn't like I was naturally talented at any of those things, you know. It was mm -hmm. just I had to work at everything. I've always had to work at everything. I was definitely um, completely uninterested in school, you know. Mm -hmm. School was a bummer, a drag for right. me time. It was a mess. And I had very little focus on, you know, academics. I right. was just, you know, I wanted to play with G.I. Joes and shit like that all yeah. day. <laughs> Watch cartoons. So I wasn't the, the greatest school kid, right. kid in school, I should say. But yeah, so it was like one of those things that, but I think what I did get from my parents and from putting me through all the sports was just that drive to like, when I set my mind to do something, I really do. And, and I'm still that way today. It's weird. Like, um, when I really set my mind, I, I could be thinking about something for years and I just won't do it. And I just keep going. I really should do that. But I just don't. It's yeah. like weird hold back. And then I don't know if there's a fear there or not, but then it's like one day I just start doing it and you can't stop me. Right. <laughs> everything I need to do it, like kind of obsession, like, like I gotta have that and that. And yeah. That. Yeah. That's the, the mask thing got, and that's probably why I said like I blew all my money because it was like, I need this and I need that. And I probably didn't really need all right. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got that obsessive thing too. I think, um, yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, I think that, I think that most successful artists and creative people have that because you kind of have to have that because you know there's you have to practice a lot to get yeah. any good and if you don't have that drive then it ain't gonna happen you know it may, may there might be a small percentage of people that are just i've seen a few people here and there that are just like first try is amazing but that's not most people you know most people are not like that right. um, yeah i you know it's you're you're right i mean you're absolutely right because um, as you know, as you know, too, I mean, I do a lot of teaching stuff and I'm always, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but <laughs> hey, I'll cut it out if you decide later. I, I, yeah. I always pay attention to students that come into the studio yeah. when, back when they could not now, you know, right, right. But, uh, I, it always blew me away because like if I went to somebody's studio, you know, like Steve's or Jordu or whoever. Um, you know, or just someone's house that did art or whatever. I was so fascinated by that art. Like I, I was, I was more fascinated by the art than the person really. You know, like I, I remember the first stepping into to Jordu Studio or and Steve's, and it was just like, oh, you know, holy shit! You right. know, look at this. I, you could, like, you, you almost had to drag me away from like just being enamored with and I noticed that nowadays when I look back at how I was and I see how people are today that want to learn this stuff and then they'll come take lessons or whatever I'm always blown away like how few people actually walk around the studio and look at the masks and stuff and and they're like just blown away and yeah. maybe maybe they're timid or maybe they're not maybe they are doing that in their mind and I don't know it but like you know, you almost like with me, it was like almost like you're 
trying to grab this thing and study every right section. that's the obsession right. you know that's the ob- yeah not everybody but, has the obsession thing though I don't see it is in everybody now you know i don't see well I, don't, I see it in a few but i i rarely see it is what i'm trying to say right. you know? and i often wonder like sometimes like how badly do they want to learn this stuff i know now there's a cool factor behind it mm-hmm. you know? it's cool to be a monster maker right or, yeah and i'm always wondering like okay but you know, is this really what you want to do? I mean, for some people, it doesn't have to be. For some people, it's a hobby or whatever. Right, so right, I, right. I get that too. You know, it's not everyone can make it their dream or do their or a job. But uh, I don't know. I guess I'm always kind of trying to figure out where their minds are in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, I, 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 that makes sense. I mean, I think it's. I think that you know, if if everybody had that obsessive thing about them then everybody would be great artists (laughs) you know (laughs) because it's it takes that you know it's it's really it's it's more about having that drive and and being willing to put put the hours in i always say that you know put the time in um so what what uh you what affects i mean what what's your what was your career in the, the film industry i mean what did you we kind of missed each other i don't think we worked together in a shop did we? Almost. Okay. <laughs> well, no. Tech. Okay. Technically, we did for a day or two. What was? Uh, what was it? Okay. So th- I, I'll lead into this because this is a good story. This is a pretty good story. Okay. So the way I got into effects um, was I had kind of given up to I af- you know after I moved back to Washington and I started doing all the masks and all that I got pretty good and I started making my own masks. This is around two thousand three, three exactly, if not midway between three and four, I ended up deciding, okay, effects isn't going to happen for me. It's too hard to break in. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know anybody. Um, And so basically I'm going to attempt to (laughs) go to this giant uh, Halloween show in Chicago. Oh, wow. Bring all my masks and try to sell to people there. And I knew enough people at the time from that side of the industry. Well, I had one friend that worked for a company and he, he said, well, it's really like a wholesale thing where you're, you're selling to like mom and pop shops and big corporations. It's not really for like what you're doing, like trying to sell to the collector. And I said, and I remember being really worried, like, do you think I stand a chance in hell doing this or should I do this? Maybe I should just come to the show and not buy a, you know, $2,000 booth. Cause I had to spend, you know, I had to come up with some money, like two grand and buy this booth. And I couldn't even fill this whole thing. I had like (laughs) masks, you know? Right. So, um, I ended up doing this show and funny enough, these guys contact me, uh, this company, I don't know who they are. And I had this weird spider creature head and they really liked it and they go, Hey, we would love to, uh, buy that off you and own the rights so we could reproduce it with this giant creature we're doing for trans world. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to that. And, and I go, cool. You know, yeah, I'd love to sell it to you. And, uh, I made some, you know, amateur, ridiculous, low price, you know, I'll give you the rights for $1 or something. (laughs) Something crazy, but there was too much. Like they didn't want to pay that or whatever. And I remember being like, Oh no, I don't, I, you know, I, I can't go that low or something like that. I go, I'd rather just sell copies myself. Right. So I remember I had enough sense to know, like, hey, I could just sell five more of these and make more money than that. You right. Know? So they like, yeah. Well, anyway, I get there. I'm setting up the booth. And to my right 
and I, you know, of course, I was set up in record time, right? Because I've got like ten masks, and that <laughs> I just put them on stands, right? And and, uh, and put my business card out, and I'm done. You know, <laughs> everyone else is like drilling and professional, putting up, you know, right. own production. And I remember just being like, like you know, this is. I feel like such an idiot. You know, I'm not even here for the right reason. Well, a lot of people started coming by early, like, wow you know, these are amazing. Oh, cool. You know, and you're getting all the compliments and you're like, Oh, cool. You know, so I'm starting to feel a little more comfortable. These guys to my right, they're setting up and I see this prop sitting on the ground that they just unveiled that they're going to like hoist up into a corner. And I'm like, God damn, that head looks familiar. Oh, that's my head. And I'm like, that's my spider creature. And I go, I'm looking and I see the company name and I'm like, Oh, these are the guys that wanted to buy the rights. Well, no. instead, they copied my design. No, how long ago, how long after was it that that happened? Just months later. Like, oh this my is God. a couple months later, they they happened. Talk about karma, right? Like, <laughs> people don't believe in karma, you're going to believe in it now. Right. These guys get put right next to me. That's amazing. Right? That ripped me off because they didn't want to spend the whatever, 700, 800 I wanted for the rights. Wow. To- so- did what did you did you say anything or did they look <laughs> yeah so i walk i walk over and here's the kicker right i've got that mask on display in my booth right? <laughs> so i walk over to the corner of the wall that was blocking us uh-huh. and i'm looking at it and i'm like and i'm just making sure i'm seeing what i'm seeing right because i'm kind of like you know dumbfounded like what the hell am i looking at right now i'm looking at my own art but it's not mine and uh I look at the guys and I go, hey, uh, how's it going, guys? And they're like, hi, yeah, we're neighbors. And I'm like, cool. I go, can I ask you, where did you get that design from? And the guy does this. He literally, like, looks and sees my mask that he, you know, and he goes, oh, no. He goes, you're Casey Love? And I go, yeah. And he goes, "Uh, I'm the guy that emailed you to buy your mask. And I, I go, oh. I go, well, so you just copied my mask, you know? And he goes, yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, it was just like, like, it was so awkward. Like, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I was so, like, I didn't know what to say. Or what anything. are you going to say? I mean, what can you what say? Thinking, right? I didn't know at the time, though, that, like, I guess I could have gone to Transworld and asked them to, like, not display it. And oh, I really? You know, but I was, not, again, kind of naive and just yeah. like, I don't know what to do. It was kind of awkward and I didn't want to be like a dick and make enemies. And, right. you know, I got next to these guys all weekend. Yeah, yeah, so it was right. cool. I just let it go and was like, okay, whatever. And then of course I started finding out like everyone that came to my, my table was like, you're getting ripped off this. Sh- you're going to get ripped off. You're going right. to get ripped. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, oh, the, really? the, and I started to realize that like, that was, that was normal there. Like the Halloween industry is, is, notorious for ripping people off yeah you're gonna get ripped off and so i never went back the next year well i went back but i never did the show continued to do the show that way and i just went like to meet with friends and enjoy the show Mm. so i don't know if people end up ripping off the mask but it was (laughs) but anyway at that show (laughs) is where i met steve wang for the first time like actually met him i mean i talked to him in an email or something like that prior but he was selling his biomorph masks. Oh wow! Yeah, that's right. He he was trying, kind of doing that for a while. Yeah, yeah. So 
uh, he came over to, I went over to meet him and introduced myself because we had talked a little bit and I'd shown him my masks. And so he, uh, he was kind enough to be like, oh, let me go look at your stuff in person. And so he walked over and he sat down with me and he's like, yeah, your stuff's cool, man. You know, he's like, ah, oh. he's like, and so Steve goes, he literally says this to me, he goes like, how come you're not working in effects? And I'm like, I don't know anyone. I haven't been able to break in. And he literally says to me, you know me? <laughs> I didn't know him. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know him. But he goes, no, you know me. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, what? whoa, what? This is Steve <laughs> Wang, you know? And I'm just like, oh, shit. You know, like, I didn't know what to say to that. And he goes, yeah, I know you should, you should really, and you know, he's just being like, yeah, you should really, you, sh- you really should work in the effects industry. You know, you should, and blah, blah. He's like, yeah, I'll call, you know, and you basically left, we left off like kind of like making friends and just kind of like, he was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up sometime or whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. in touch kind of thing. Well, little did I know that like I get back home and, you know, I'm like uh, kind of on this high, right? I sold all my masks to this guy, Rich Carell, who, was a big math collector. Oh, okay. Yeah, the big, name sounds familiar. He's like a big uh, like a producer, director that bought masks from everybody. Right. You know? um, he came along at the show and bought like five or six off me or something like that, like almost my whole setup. Wow. And I sold a few others to different people. So I came home like kind of breaking even, but like kind of on this high, right? And uh, so I go back to my sculpting masks and doing stuff. And then I get a call from Steve and, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, you want to come work on a film? And I'm like, yeah, really? <laughs> like, really? Like, cool. And I go, what, what is it? And he's like, well, I'm down at Patrick Totopoulos is working on the K. Oh, shit. <laughs> 2004. Right. Right. So that's and So I go, well, I live all the way out. And at this time, I, I, you know, we had moved back from Washington to, to California, but I lived out in the desert, Apple Valley. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, Steve's like, uh, do you have, you know, you have a way to get out of here? I'm like, yeah, I've, you know, I have, I have a car and all that, but I don't have, like, where am I going to stay? And Steve's like, oh, you stay at my house. I've got extra rooms. Wow. My brother just stays here every once in a while, but he doesn't have, he's like not here all the time. So he's like, yeah, you can just stay at my place. And I'm like. I'm sitting there going like, I'm going to stay at Steve Wang's house. <laughs> you know, like, what is going on, right? Like, why is this dude so nice to me? Like, whoa. <laughs> I'm tripping out, right? And, yeah. and why, you know, to this day, I credit Steve more than anybody as like, as being so thankful to him because it, without his generosity, I wouldn't be where I'm at, you know? Right. So I drive to Steve's house it, like late at night. And I get out to his place in Santa Clarita and uh, stay the night and drive in to Patrick's. And he's and on the way in, he's like, "Yeah, you'll be working with this this dude Dan. Um, uh, what was it Dan? Uh, what was Dan's last name? Now, why am I forgetting? Dan. Uh, he was part of the Barker Brother model kits and early on sideshow. Oh yeah, Dan something. He did the sculpt of the bat in Sculpey. What was his name? Oh, my God. I can't remember. Uh, I'm, Any- I'm bad with names, too. So. Anyway, that's where I met you for the first time. You were there sculpting on the creature with Steve. And you oh, got, okay. and I remember you guys were using the weirdest tool in the world, to, to my mind. Like, I never had seen this, but you guys were using these fine little wires. 
to oh, do the, yeah whisk tools yeah with baby powder on wet clay and i remember going like what the <laughs> hell are these guys doing this is but it was amazing it was like at the, like not only was i like what are they doing this is so foreign to me i've never seen it but at the same time i'm like whoa look at the detail on that fucking thing you know right. like like blew my mind but i remember talking to you for like maybe i don't know i think we were just chit-chatting it up for like a few minutes and 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 what it was is you and i had uh, a friend in common alex oh right 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 that's how we kind of knew each other okay yeah because he's all into the mask thing that's right yeah yeah. the so uh so i think we were just talking like about alex or something and then uh and then um uh, I think you said to me, like, yeah, I'm kind of, like, looking to leave the business. I'm, <laughs> I want to do my own thing. And so as I was kind of coming in, you were kind of, like, going out. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I, that was – at that point, like, I remember taking a painting down on my lunch break on the cave to go drop off to a gallery. Like, that oh. was – what year yeah. was this? 2004. Okay, yeah. So this is when I was like, I'm out. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm getting out of this. Yeah. I, you know, I was really putting all my effort towards that. That's so funny that I was talking about it too. Mm-hmm. I think I was like state stating it to the universe every time I talked about it with someone. Like I was making it more of a real thing. You know, so yeah. I always bring it up to anybody I was talking to. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, no, I remember. I I I remember you saying that. But you know what's funny about that. I could relate to you even that early on, though, because even though it was awesome to get into the effects industry, it wasn't really uh, my main focus. Hmm. You know, the masks were right it's just that I couldn't make a living, figure out how to make a living at doing masks like I didn't. And I and I wasn't into the high end production of masks like the cheaper quality. Right. Yeah. Going and, do, and I'd heard all these nightmare things about doing that and how hard it is. And yeah. I had too many people telling me, which, you know, this is good advice for anybody. Like, don't let anybody tell you, you know, what to do. Obviously, if you have a dream, follow it. And I'm still to this day kind of kicking myself, you know, like for not following some of that dream. And I always say, my wife's like, always, you know, you should do your own mask. You should do your own mask. You've always wanted to do it. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean, you would think like that little kid inside of me would just be like, do this, you know. Right. But I know how hard it is and I know. I mean, I know how successful it can be too, but it's it's not the easiest thing in the world and it's going to take like full-time dedication and I don't know, you know, if that's what I want to do because like my main focus kind of shifted once I met Steve and Jordu and all these guys, you know, Norman Cabrera doing these like amazing masks. It was like, I want to do those really high-end cool masks, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's the fun. Wearing, like just make it look real and bitching and so... I think because my fascination went that way, I went away from the the uh, more production industry side of it, you know, right. inside of it. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that, I, I helped set up and run a mask company for uh, the Ghost Factory, Alterian. Yeah, and it's and it and it is. It's like it's fun to sculpt them, and it's it's kind of fun to figure out a simple paint job that can be reproduced easily. I mean, there's a certain challenge in that, yeah. but other than that, it's not fun pouring up, <laughs> having a bunch of molds against the wall, pouring them all up, putting them all on like a heating table. And it's like, 
yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, it's not really that fun. <laughs> so the high end masks are where it's at. <laughs> yeah. I always the first pull is the best. Right. And then after that, it's a drag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I already the did this. First once. one's awesome. And what sucks is you always end up selling that goddamn thing. Right. And then you don't have one, and then you're too lazy to make another. <laughs> I mean, my dream in my studio is to have a bunch of my masks up, and I'm just. I never have the time to do right. it. Right. Yep. Same. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the plum, a plumber never, I don't know. There's this quote, <laughs> that quote of, you know, plumbers faucets always leaky or something. Yeah. It's like we never make the stuff for ourselves. No. Um, okay. So, I mean, what did you end up, what, what did you do in effects? It sounds like you were kind of just in there a short, short time. Well, I no, I ended up funny enough, I ended up spending the next 10, 11 years in shop. Oh, okay. So you were, okay, so you literally started when I left pretty much. So that's okay. Okay. So I did I did a number of gigs at Patrick's and including one of the the uh the big blizzard statues with Steve Wang that he rented space there to to do mm-hmm. um, with with Patrick and those guys. So I kind of like went like from on a film to instead of being laid off, like right into Steve, Steve's lap to do all these things, you know, like, all right, here, now you come over here and we're going to do this. So it's kind of cool. And then, um, Steve went to ADI for, um, and I don't recall the year it had to be, it's after 2004, obviously like five or six, I think it was five. He went, yeah, next year was 2005. He went to ADI on alien versus predator where a uh, requiem, I think mm-hmm. is what it was. basically part two. Mm-hmm. And he, I got a call again, right? Steve called me. He's like, ah, I want to bring you in over here. So I'm like, cool. Yeah. A new shop. You know, I, I, I was, there was no work at Patrick's anymore. So it was like, go to a new place. And, uh, so Steve, Steve goes, yeah, you're going to get a call from this guy, Garth. And he's going to, you know, let you know what's up. So I get a call. Garth's like, Hey, you know, yeah, you're going to come on in start Monday. Are you available? Yep. Okay, great. See you then. You know, uh, 10 minutes later, I get a call from Tom Woodruff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hi, Tom. <laughs> Tom. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, we can't really hire you and you know, can't really bring you in. And I'm like, I was like on the other end of that phone. I was like not letting him know, but I was fucking devastated. All right. I was like you know and I'm, i was just being real cool I'm like okay yeah i get i understand you and what it was is like they'd never worked with me so they didn't know who i was you right know? wait who's this guy that steve's bringing in we don't we've never heard of this dude you know I, we don't know what his ability is so i totally get it you know they're kind of like wait hold on a minute hold the phone so uh i didn't know what to do so i, I called steve and i go hey um they, they they hired me and fired me like boom boom and he's like what he's like wait what and so I told him what happened and he goes uh, hold on let me call you back <laughs> that's, a, so that's I guess perfect went, I guess he went in and talked to Tom and Alec or whatever and said hey this I, look this is you asked me who I want on my crew this is the guy I worked before he's he's trustworthy I want him and so then they were like cool okay so. They brought me in and I started that Monday and then it was cool, man, because I, I, I went on to have like almost with a few stops here and there, I went on to have almost like a six or seven year career with ADI. Holy shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. So like Tom, Alec and I became pretty good friends and, and, you know, we liked working together and, and I liked working at the shop. And so they kept bringing me on show after show and anytime they had work and, 
you know, it turned out to be a great relationship. Wow. wow. Yeah. I didn't realize you worked, you did so much effect stuff. Yeah. I ended but up, it makes uh, sense because I was gone. So. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gone. But you know what's cool is we met again because after, after my ADI, this is now we're, we're pushing to 2009, and I, you and I crossed paths in 2009 uh, or eight. Might have been eight. Mm-hmm. You had done some awesome vampire illustration work for Priest. Oh, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I got brought in with um, another sculptor there to sculpt the body design, the full <laughs> body for right. your, based on your design. Remember? Based on my design that was impossible to sculpt on a body. Yes. <laughs> it's like super yeah. skinny. <laughs> and mind you, in a in a in a shop in Van Nuys with no air condition, and in like some um, ridiculous amount of time too, right? Man, yeah, talk about like fucking crazy turnaround with with Greg Nicotero on your ass. Let's put that one in there too, <laughs> because you know Greg wants it like that. So um, that was a whole eye opener for me because I was used to ADI. And this is the funny thing about the effects in the effects industry. I was always sculpting, not really painting. You know, like some shops utilize utilize me for both, but mostly sculpting. And uh, I remember being on that show. First of all, it was super hot, like a hundred degrees in that shop. We're doing wed clay on a skinny ass vampire. We were spraying glycerin water on this thing so fucking much that it just became a sticky mess. Oh my and god! We couldn't because it kept cracking everywhere. You know, it was just right. and I was I was coming to work in sandals and shorts and <laughs> and getting bitched at for not having like boots on or shoes. But it was like, dude, it's fucking roasting. In Why here. was there no air conditioner? Was it just well, that? <laughs> there was air conditioning in one sculpting room in the back where Andy and and Aki and all these other dudes were. But they didn't want wed clay in there. Only want. <laughs> so they kicked us out. We started sculpting in there, and then they kicked us the fuck out. Oh my god! I remember being so bitter at them, like you fucking assholes. We're you know we're we're dying out totally, here. Totally, man. And uh, but you know, I don't it was, blame it was, you. It was funny. It was, it's all part of the like when you look back, just like funny memories. But we had Greg, Greg, real adamant about that thing getting done like really fast, and then they um. Then, funny enough, once they had the the that thing molded, they put me on painting all of that stuff. Oh by wow! Myself. Yeah, so I ended up painting all those vampires uh, on my own, which was that was cool. That was like a nice. It was cool that they kept me on, you know, and they yeah. knew that they knew I could paint. And um, so then that led into like Predator uh, or no Predators and. Narnia three and a few other odds and ends uh, over at K and B before my time was up. I think in two thousand nine or ten, mm-hmm. um, and then it was back to like focusing on all the Monster Palooza stuff until Rick came calling at Monster Palooza. I went to Rick Baker's for Men in Black three. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, which was like I still can't believe happened. You know, like yeah, I yeah. bet that was that was probably the most amazing experience. That's how I felt at Rick's. It was like that was kind of the peak of of everything for me, like shop wise, as far as working with the best artists in the best shop. Yeah, you that know? was exactly the feeling I had. I I remember just uh, feeling like I what was walking into Disneyland every day, right? <laughs> to go to work, and you know, it was it was weird, man. It was like surreal. You know? Oh yeah, and. Uh, 
and, and everyone that was I was working with was fucking so cool. I mean, I was with Norman and Mario and Steve Koch and uh, Rob Freitas and um, you know, I mean, name it, Jim McLaughlin, yeah. you know, Chris Walker. Everybody that was there was such an amazing artist and yeah. what they that you know you and Joey Orozco. I remember Joey. Joey and I were buddies already, and it was like, dude, you know, just being around those guys ups your game oh for sure you have to up your game you know yeah 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 i was just talking to somebody about that the other day it's like i didn't i i felt like i was at uh alterian uh for 10 years i think and i felt like i just i got to a point and i didn't really improve Mm. you know because i wasn't working around these amazing dudes at rick's and so you know, but I thought I was the shit, and then I went to Rick's. I was like, I'm, "Oh, I'm not the shit anymore." <laughs> but then I, but then I, it was like it, it made me such a such a, you know. That's when I got really good. I think is is, yeah. is once I got to Rick's working with Mitch Devane and oh, yeah. Matt Rose and all these guys, Steve Steve Wang and Steve was. Uh, it's funny because when I was on the when Steve Steve was on the podcast, he's he was a great boss. I really enjoyed working for uh for him he was super cool super laid back um but i always i I was telling him that yeah i always say the cave is the movie the cave is the movie where i decided i have to i have to get out of the industry like it was the final straw and he was he was he kind of acted like he felt sort of bad but i was like it's not it wasn't you it was the shop situation and and you know i it made me think of that when you're talking about a hundred degree shop, because that was a situation at that shop too. It was, yeah, everything had to be pulled outside and, and painted outside during the summer. It was just pure, pure misery. I got very sick, ill painting at Patrick's shop on resident evil three. I was with Grasso and, uh, Lukic Russ. Oh and yeah. And I got, I was, they had the fans, pointing they were painting the suit and i was painting another part but the, i was in front like of the fans at the wrong spot oh my god eating naphtha and i got fucking ill as can be and i came into the shop still uh got guy had called a meeting or something and i kid you not i was bent over on my stomach over a stool couldn't even stand up straight and i didn't know what was wrong with me but i just felt like I had the flu times 10, you know, just a mess. And, uh, and I remember like guy, he's just like carrying on like Casey, you're going to be all right. Like, like, is he, you know, like, I don't know if he thought I was maybe faking it or what, but I remember like some of the people were like, he's not okay, dude. Like Like, he's not okay. And, And I, and I just remember after that, like, I remember that because I remember thinking like I have to get away from rubber cement. Like oh, yeah. I can't be near this stuff anymore. Like this, if that's what it's doing to me, you know, we, and so that, and that's what drove me to change the way I paint masks, you know, like years ago I stopped using that stuff. But, but yeah, that it's weird, man. Like I feel the same way you do. Like once I got to Rick's, which to me, it's still, I can't believe happened. It's like so crazy in my mind. But once I got to that, I felt like, and I still, you know, I wasn't, 
I was not as good as these other dudes like Mario and Mitch. Those guys are amazing. You know, those, those, those guys are at a, they're at a whole nother level of sculpting mm. that I could only aspire to. But like, it's like, but I still felt like I reached the top of what I could do in that business. Right. And, and then shortly after that, I got a call from, to work with Guillermo del Toro directly for the Pacific Rim where I did some paint stuff for them. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah. And at that time I was living in, out in Moore Park and I wasn't far from Guillermo's house where he kept all his stuff. So he invited me over there and I ended up doing this crazy seven day turnaround on like four paint jobs, like huge maquettes. Right. Um, they were sculpted by uh, Simon Lee. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And all Pacific Rim concept stuff. And, um, you know, not final film stuff, but just concepts. Right. And uh, that was it for me other than like there was one more film right when my son was born that Dave Elsie did and he rented space at ADI to do this movie Wolves, um, which Joey and a bunch of guys I knew were on. Mario and all them and so we uh, I I worked on Wolves and then I was like you in 2004 I was like okay th this is it like I'm done right. I, I don't want to do this anymore and and I don't think this is my future and it's time to go and like I, I did what I could do I just was yeah I felt like done with it and so and I remember telling everybody like, you know I was getting calls to, to do like come to legacy and work on guardians too. And I mean, I'm thankful like Bruce Fuller and, and, um, Mario, they were always trying to get me back in. And I was just like, Nope, Nope. And I <laughs> refused. And I kept telling them like, well, I got two problems. One, I'm raising a kid. You know, my wife works full time. I'm not working full time. I mean, yeah, I'm bringing in some bread and butter, but like, we don't know when I bring money in. It's like, as an, as a freelance artist, you're like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know what I mean. It's like you don't know when your next paycheck's right. coming in. And so it's like – and you're raising a newborn. So right. like I, I can't go work at shops all day, right. you know. Right, So I had to turn everything down and they thought I was nuts. You know, they're like, what are you talking – you know what? Like what are you doing? And, you know, well, <laughs> that helped, lasted for a couple years <laughs> until, you know, of course my wife is, is the one pushing me all the time. She goes uh, – she just one day she's just like, okay, enough's enough. Like, what are you gonna do? Because this isn't working, you know. And I, and we were struggling, and I'm like, fuck, man, you know, I was struggling to make ends meet. I was already doing the classes and all that stuff, but just it wasn't enough. And mm. uh, so then I, you know, I because of the stuff I'd done with Steve with Blizzard, they knew me and my brother worked down there. I was thinking like, shit, man, maybe I should. Uh, try and get a job there or something, you know, like get something full time for a little bit and try to make this steady and make it easier on us. And my wife is like, she's the one that pushed it. She's like, yeah, you should go, you should contact them and do this, you know? Uh, so I did. And this, it started this giant interview process. And what I didn't realize at the time was just how impressive my portfolio, I guess was. Mm -hmm. Cause I had worked on all, you know, 20 some odd films now. Right. And uh, so I approached them, and funny enough, at the time, I was doing this maquette for my brother who worked there. He wanted me to do one of the characters uh, for him that he could have, like, a statue. 
So I was already in the process of like nearly finishing it. So I went and had this big old interview with Blizzard, dropped in front of them this their one of their characters. <laughs> you know, and they were looking to get into like doing, you know, statues and all that. Like, you know, they were working with Sideshow already, but they were looking to do their own thing, I guess. And um so I was kind of like, oh, this is like, dude, this is like in the, you know, the slam dunk, right? I can pop in. I'm going to show them a statue of theirs. And like, <laughs> and they were impressed. They were fucking like, whoa, holy shit. And then they're looking at my resume and like, Jesus Christ, man, you know, and, and, and I'm just like, cool, I guess this is going to be the done deal, right? Well, then for some reason, just crickets, you know, just for months. Wow. And, at the time that that was going on, Sideshow was hiring me to from home and to come in like just a little bit here and there, kind of like working around my schedule and, and everything. And uh, I I mentioned to Tom uh, Gillian, you know, like, hey, I'm I'm probably gonna uh, take this job at Blizzard. You know, I'm interviewing with them. And then he was like, wait, what? Like, why don't you? what about working over here? You know, like what about coming over here. And we had talked about it before a couple of times, but it never really panned out because I think they felt like they didn't really have enough work for this monster guy to do. Right. right. Like, we're doing mostly superheroes and you know, I, I didn't have any of that shit in my portfolio. So it was like, so anyway, they, I said, well, I don't know. I mean, we just moved away from here <laughs> and I don't know if, you know, I'm living way out, way out here, and I, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm like, but, you know, yeah, shit, I'll entertain anything, right, at this point, because I just need to find something steady mm -hmm. and get the support from my family, and uh, so then that started to become more and more, like, a reality, but at the same time, it started to feel like a better fit for me, mm -hmm. you know? doing even though it was superheroes, and but they had this new monster thing coming, Court of the Dead, and they right. had tom was doing and all this other stuff so it was like shit maybe maybe i'd be better off here than just doing blizzard art constantly because blizzard art was cool but it didn't really fit who i was you know mm -hmm. so i worried that i might get pretty bored over there and it might not work out so well so then i kind of like after a while just hit a blizzard and said look you guys got to make a decision because i got another offer and and i'm gonna take it if i don't hear anything and they were just like it was so weird. They're just like, yeah, whatever you want to do. Like, oh, you, <laughs> fuck, all right, you don't really care, I guess. All right. So I took sideshow on the offer, and and uh, that was that, man. I was now a sideshow employee, you know, and I've been there ever since, like full time. Oh, really? Are you working at sideshow, or do you work? Do you are are you able to work from home, or? Well, um, it started out as me working from home because we weren't living um, in Thousand Oaks where they're located. Mm -hmm. and, um, so for the first few years, I was driving just two days. I, well, I drive out and stay. They have like an they have an artist loft. That oh wow! They can put artists up and stay there, which is really cool. That so is like when cool. Ryan comes out, he can stay. You know, he's got a fridge. He's got a little mini house with everything. That's awesome. Like, yeah, there's even like drawing tables and shit he can sculpt there. It's cool, man. They really know how to take care of people. And uh, so I was staying there and from time to time, you know, like once a week and uh, um, and just and then I'm 10 minutes from sideshow, just drive in and, and be there for a couple of days and then go back home. And 
and uh, uh, make the commute. And basically, then eventually, it was just like, we got to move back out here to Thousand Oaks, you know, Newberry Park. So we, we figured we got that done. And then, uh, and, and, you know, I moved back out here. And now I'm just 10 minutes from them, you know, oh, wow. like, I don't even get on the freeway, you know, I just drive right into work. That's and uh, it's cool, because it also then offered an opportunity, uh, just a, a couple years later, uh, Greg, you, do you know, Greg Anzalone, the CEO? No, I, I know. I, no, I don't. I, I think I met him, but I know Tom. Tom. Okay, so because I, I was taking over for Tom. I, Tom mm-hmm. was leaving to start Sideshow when I worked at Rick, so I was replacing him as a painter. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so Greg, Greg, Matt Falls, Tom, and there's another owner, Robin. So they all started it. Well, it was that's who it was, Dan Platt. Oh, Dan Platt. Yeah, I know Dan Platt. <laughs> well, he was one of he was part of it too at the beginning. But anyway, it, it, so nowadays it's it's those people, Tom and and Matt and Greg and and Greg's a CEO. Well, well, Greg um, is a big vegan advocate and uh, and and health advocate and, and whatnot. So he eventually his dream was to um, you know not sideshow's one thing, but then he has all these other side projects he does and businesses the guy's amazing and he, he he his big dream was like okay i want to open up a vegan cafe across the street from sideshow and uh, feed all the employees that's so cool and healthy food right. you know and so eventually my wife who was just working retail jobs which she was getting really fed up with which i you know i can't imagine i mean retail sucks after a while you know yeah. it's like it is what it is you're always dealing with bitchy customers yep. <laughs> so uh, she had enough, uh, 20 years of that. And, um, and she used to be a makeup artist. And, uh, so he, he opened up this vegan cafe called power plant. And, uh, and basically he really, uh, him and my wife hit it off as far as, you know, like getting to know one another and, and, and he, you know, saw the potential in her and was just like, yeah, you should come work over here when I get this open. So now we're both sideshow employees. No way. That's amazing. Totally rad. Wow. I, just, I walk in to get my lunch and see my wife. <laughs> it's pretty freaking cool. And we're, you know, we're only 10 minutes. And my, so like, you know, my kid was going to school and, you know, before this pandemic, it was easy to go pick him up. One of us could go do it and then come back and, you know, clock in and out and go do what you got to do, come back, put your hours in. It's just, yeah, they, they, it's such, been such a convenience and, and, cool thing and it's steadied my career to where um you know i didn't have i don't have to worry about where the income's coming from every month right but now the struggle as you know the struggle is like well how do i get all the other stuff done that i want to do like my own because that's still my number one passion right like i give sideshow my 100 percent, and i'm just a painter there but i gotta have that other side to balance me out and that's where I'm at nowadays where it's like there's this struggle going on of like how do I find the time to be a dad, a proper dad right, <laughs> for my family and the artist and sideshow classes. It's just like it's such a fucking balancing act, you know? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I 100% understand where you're at. Um so are you still doing the classes and still doing your 
your high-end masks and and all that stuff or is, like when are you doing those things how how could how, how do you do that <laughs> it's funny man because i feel like such a, a uh i don't want to say loser because that's not the word but right. like to, um you know i'm not as prolific as i used to be um with the masks and that does bum me out quite a bit and i'm always feeling like i see all these guys doing new shit all the time and i always feel like fuck but funny enough the perception out there is that I'm constantly doing new shit and I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. I have that. I have that perception of you too. Dude, I have the biggest insecurity with that then because I feel like I'm not producing nearly enough stuff. You wow. Know? Wow. I but didn't even know you were, you were a full time. I didn't realize you were full time at Sideshow. I thought you yeah. did your classes and your masks and that was oh, it. Oh no, no. Yeah. So Sideshow has my, been my main gig for the last four years, uh, wow. 40 I do 40 hours a week there full time. And, uh, you know, um, but Sideshow has been more than two. That's the other thing I should mention. You know, it's been more than just a job. I mean, that place has opened my eyes because of Greg. Uh, it's opened my eyes to be, you know, eating healthier, being plant-based, which I, you are, right? Or you're vegetarian? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've so, been since the 80s. You are. Yeah. Yeah, a long time. I, I remember. I remember talking to you about that, and you know, it's opened my eyes, and it's made me a much um, healthier eater, taking care of myself, mm. watching what I'm doing, and and which is important because I was going down a bad road uh, for a while, you know, and so it was good. It was. It's been more than just a job. It's yeah. Been, a, an eye opener for my health and and everything else, and so it's it, without sideshow, I don't know where I would be today. I mean, honestly. So that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's been four years of that, and then um, um, but yeah, so finding time for masks is tricky, and classes. I what I do is I I was doing a class once a month before, and I was doing only in person classes at my studio in Newberry Park, and. So I can only fit 10 students. So I would sell that out every month and I would basically use my, if I didn't have time to sculpt something new, I would use my stockpile of molds like a resin bust or a latex mask or whatever it was. Uh, unless I was teaching sculpting, I would take something and advertise it, make a little flyer in Photoshop and blast that out on Instagram, you know, which I'm sure everybody's sick of seeing, but it's like, you know, blast. Mm -hmm. You got to promote it more than you really want to, you right, know. Right. Yeah. Love to be just showing new shit all the time, but I'm, you know, you're showing the same flyer like every day. Yeah. Well, I was doing that consecutively until we hit this pandemic. In fact, I have a class that's still in limbo because of this thing, and I'm trying to get everybody to go online. And 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 the funny thing is, I've realized the benefits of the online. There's more benefits. You can record the class, share that with right. them. Right. They see actually more close up than they do in person. That's because true. Cameras on. You That's know? true. That's a good point. And funny enough, the students were real adamant about taking the in person. But I, you know, we don't know when is that really going to be safe. You know, it's right, like right, right. At the rate we're going, I, I don't know. It's going to be a while. Yeah, I it's going to be a while before I go anywhere. That's for damn sure. Because <laughs> I don't right. really have to. So yeah. But as far so, as traveling and stuff, I'm just yeah. going to be safe just just hang out and and be yeah just do art and, at your house yeah you're it's funny because you said it early on we're still doing what we just normally do so it didn't really doesn't really feel different to us right because we're like this is what we normally do we're yep. just 
in our studio making art, you know. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I I had to restructure the classes, and the funny thing is, it was already on my mind for years to push to online, you know. But you know how it is; it's a scary step. That might sound weird to people, but it's it's it was a scary step for me, like how to do it all. I you know what I was talking to this guy um, recently who was he's he's this dude from uh, uh, I forgot like some Scandinavian country mm. um, and he was he's like a, in the tattoo industry and so he, his he's got like a a business I think where he sets up tattoo artists to do online classes. And he was saying you can make a ton of money doing that. Like you can yeah. make way more money doing online than you can in person. Yeah. Because you're, you're opening it up to, you can't, you can teach a lot more than 10 people at once. Yeah. You know, you can kind of, yeah, you've got the, the, the benefit of, of the uh, um, recording the class and you could monetize that in another way once it's recorded. You yeah, know? I, so the, yeah. I kind of think it's the future. Yeah, I do too. And and I was and I and the funny thing is my my wife has been pushing me on it for years, but it's one of those things that you know you should do. Yeah, but you just don't do it, and you don't. <laughs> it's a pain in the. It it's hard. There's a lot of technical stuff, like yeah. you know, because I was I, I'm still trying to get to a point to where. I can easily stream live painting for my P Patreon subscribers, you know, yeah. and it's not that easy yet. You know, there's still, you have to get these other programs to use and then you've got to get this special link to, you yeah. know, to go to the cam to go to the camera and the camera turns off every 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, there's like, there's yeah. like all this, there's a lot to know. Like I almost subscribe to this website called live streaming pros for people that they teach you how to set up like a studio and um you know for youtubers and stuff yeah but i, I didn't but then i didn't i didn't take the step yet because it's like i got so much other stuff i'm trying to get done right now it's like kind of yeah. not high on my priority but eventually i'm going to be doing that too you know yeah it's the way to go i mean and i'm trying to get the youtube thing going and i'm such an amateur with that i I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But I know, I know. That's the hard part. It's it's a weird one. That that one's kind of strange. I, I've kind of started. I've so I've, I'm on my. I've done a private couple privates through Zoom, and I did one big class through Zoom so far. And I already learned. It's cool because like that's the cool thing. You know, you you're learning. Every time you do one, you learn something new. You know, you learn you're learning a new thing, so you, right. you figure out okay, I can do it better by doing this or that. So I'm getting to my second one coming up September 26th, and I'm doing a mask painting one. And, oh, cool. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, this thing here is – I love that guy. That thing's awesome, man. I saw you post it. Let me, let me, let me take a picture of that. Hold on a second. Yeah, I love love him. Love him. Yeah, this is <laughs> my own master. I did a – so I could make a bunch of ultra cow molds without, you know, shrinkage. Right. That's great. So, yeah, but, um, so basically, um, yeah, I, you know, I've, the cool thing that I've got going for me that's been awesome is, um, 
I work with Badger Airbrush Company. I'm sponsored by them, which is great. I get oh, cool. Free airbrushes, which is cool. Um, you know, anything I need, they send to me. But I also developed like a, a paint line with them uh, with my name on it. And, um, and you know, I don't, I don't promote it nearly enough. Unfortunately, I should do it more. But <laughs> another thing I feel bad about, but because <laughs> those guys really take care of me, but they help uh, supply paint sets to the class, you know, so right. I, can, I can give the students uh, a 10 or 12 color paint set that they'll need. Um, and in this case with latex, you know, I give them a little bit of prosade and then, um, cause that's what we use to get it to stick and whatnot. And then, um, uh, I supply them the model, you know, copy of the, the mask or if it's a resin bust. Um, and I ship that to them ahead of time. Oh, and that's they, cool. But it's a big production, you know, yeah, that, that's a lot like, of work. I know I get I do get some people that are often I know that some of the customers are often kind of baffled if there's no return policy but I like I try to explain to everybody like you, you got to kind of understand there's a whole mess of stuff I have to do on my end to get these set up and oh, yeah. it's not just like oh let's do a class like I have to have your email address I'd have to have your proper email address cuz sometimes people don't put the same or use the same email in PayPal right <laughs> pay me and then it's like how do I get a hold of you? Can yeah, you there, yeah, there's, it's, Dude, a, I could only imagine. <laughs> it's, it's a clusterfuck really, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so like I've, I'm starting to get it down, but that's the side of, of us as artists. That's like that people, we always talk about the business side that we don't want to do because it's so fucking frustrating. And so like, not what we're into. Right. And it, it reminds me of, it, yeah, it reminds me of like, no, I don't want to go to school. I just want to, play with monsters all day or you know watch cartoons it's that it's that technical side of stuff that keeps us from like pursuing where we should go and you have to like break through that wall that barrier each time and that's how the videos are for me it's like i had to i had to just let go of my fear because that's what it was i kept making excuses to my wife like no it's so hard i gotta have this i gotta have that and now I laugh because like you don't really need all that high end equipment and you don't you can do it pretty simply, amazingly and effectively. And it's like almost laughable how easy it can Is be. Is it really? Because I'm, I'm sort of at that place that you were at, like where I'm sort of avoiding it because I'm, I'm kind of like afraid that it's going to be a pain <laughs> and I don't really know what to do. And well, but I mean, you're using Zoom. Yeah, I, I'm using Zoom. I really do. I like it. Now, I know Zoom is getting pounded right now because of um, all the kids in school are oh, going. Oh, yeah. So they're they are having. A, they got to be making a fortune, though, man. Yeah, they're, but they're having technical issues right. uh, a lot more because you have, you know, literally a ton more people on there a day. But that's during the week. So I think on weekends it's got to be safer. So I'm pretty, you know, feeling pretty confident that, uh, on Saturdays it's not as busy. So you get less, you know, drag and stuff. And there's some tricks to it you can do. I've heard like people say like, if you have everybody turn off their video, it's less problems. Oh, you know, right. it's nice to see people, but if you're just demoing something, you don't need to see them. Right, right. That can help. Um, but I've, I've had it set up where I have two camera angles and I'm just using like a Logitech, camera mounted on like um i don't know if i can show it to you here but it's like mounted on a swing arm thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um and then i the other camera is my iphone which i just log in wow. and I have a, so i have two angles 
And then Logitech makes, if you go to their website, they make this software you can download real quick and easy, and you can actually zoom the camera in and out a little bit and just left and right, and you can adjust the picture. So that's really cool. Wow. Um, so you can do it, have it on your desktop, the controls, and just like with your mouse, just, okay, I want to zoom in here a little and show them closer or zoom out or whatever. And you can only do it so far, but it's better, right. than, better than nothing. Um, but what I realized was that like the online thing is only, I think you're, from what I've understood is you're limited no matter what, you know, as far as like quality level, you know? Um, so I've seen big end productions. Like I've done the videos with Stan Winston and these guys are recording you for a future video at the same time you're doing it live. And, and that's cool and all, but I realized you don't really need all that stuff which I was thinking you did. You right, know? right. Yeah, well, same here. It's done. Yeah. So once you, I kind of got past that and realized I can do this even on my own if I have to and make it work. And, and so my first class was um, 22 students, I think, which wow. is not bad. Yeah. And I did it all by myself. And it was like, you know, that was cool. And now I'm looking into getting some help just so I could focus more on the teaching yeah. worry about the camera. So that is where it does make sense to get like the extra person kind of running things for you while you just do what you do, you know, you teach. Right, right. Because it is tricky to focus on all those things. Um, but it wasn't as bad as you think, you know, like it is possible. That's the thing, you know. Yeah, I've got to get there. I got to get there. It's just, it's, I've been so focused on getting these specific things done lately, like this book I'm working on and, and, yeah. uh, some other these tool posters and stuff, but that's definitely in my future for sure. It's, it's going to be yeah. doing some online, uh, online teaching or streaming or something. Cause that's, yeah. you know, I bet people, I bet people loved your class too. Uh, so far, so good. I've had some great reviews, and I had one girl that was in Australia that didn't want to do the through the night because you know you can imagine that's the one problem with people. Like the cool thing is, like yeah, you can reach out to the world, but you have to remember some of these people are like doing your class at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, some of them don't want to do that. So the cool thing about the the um, recording part is you can download from zoom either to your computer the whole lesson that you taught right and download it to their their um cloud or whatever right you know? and it's cool you can drag it into iMovie and edit it down if you want and like you said then turn it into more profitable video right. you sell just on a cheaper level or whatnot and right. um so it's kind of cool, man. I'm I'm kind of just getting in. I'm at the very beginning of all this as well, and just learning the ropes and figuring. I'm still trying to figure out iMovie how to edit, right? It, you know, and I mean, I'm not very good, but I'm I'm again. That's another. That was like another uphill battle. Like, oh fuck, I got to learn to edit videos because I got I have to have advertisements. Yeah. How the hell do I do this? And uh, yeah, but I'm starting to realize that. One of my biggest mistakes as an artist, and I don't know if it helps other people out there, realizes those things that hold you back like that are are the things that you just got to face and try to trudge through. Because the sooner, like, had I started this two years ago, now I think, where would I be today? Yeah, exactly. 
it's you, one of those, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, well uh, you know, the way I, I, I look at it and what I tell people is, especially people, you know, in regards to the art business stuff you have to deal with, just that side of having an art business that you don't want to deal with, it's being a good artist is way harder than any of that other stuff. Like being, getting really good. It's like, it doesn't seem like it because we're into it and we're super interested. So, but if you think about all the skill it takes, it's a lot harder than, uh, than doing all that. The technical stuff is like, you can learn it. It's kind of by rote. It's, it's, you know, you, you, there's certain things you do. There's certain things you don't do. And, you know, with art, there's it's a little it's deeper it's you know uh about you know getting in the flow and feeling it and finding the sculpture and there's not like a book you can't read a book to learn that you know what i mean it's like you have you only learn that by doing it and practicing it so it's you know the stuff that we're talking about here this kind of more businessy stuff is it's easier it's harder to be to learn i think you know yeah i think it's just we avoid it because it's so unfamiliar and uninteresting and boring interesting and boring you know it's like (laughs) but it's so important to being a successful artist yeah yeah and that's why it is hard for artists to to unless you're one of those that has that natural business side like you went to business school and then became an artist right yeah yeah both avenues but i you know i it's cool too because the the other attribute to sideshow is like i see how they operate right know? yeah and, and they're that's a massive eye opener to me because it's a huge amazing business and they're yeah. and they seem every it, i mean i only went there once i know oh. tom is awesome tom's a great guy i got to have him on the show actually yeah you um, should he's cool <laughs> yeah he's hilarious he's great and it, it seemed like you know like they were the the apple of you know that of that scene like collect collectibles like it was kind of high tech and cool and everyone was laid back and it, and it seemed like everyone was having fun i didn't see a bunch of people like throwing shit or freaking out everyone seemed pretty cool there i mean from what i saw it's pretty much that way i mean we're like a family we have squabbles and whatnot yeah yeah at, at any corporation you know you're gonna run into oh for sure entitlement and yeah different- different things and different personalities, but, but it is a big family and we all, and the funny thing is a lot of us come from the effects. Like it's funny cause like Tom and, and Jesse and myself, we all came from, you know, we all worked at Rick's at one time or another. And so it's, and now we're there and it's cool. You know, we, we can talk about some of that stuff and, and laugh and whatnot, but right. yeah, they, it's, I, but I, I'm learning, I, it's funny because I see how they approach things, and it's cool because I learn from just observing what they're doing. Yeah, and how mar- marketing they, and yeah, like how do I apply that to my what I'm trying to do? Totally. And, and the cool thing is they're not like, you know, it's funny because like Greg and and you know they're they know that your future's not just there. Right. Yeah. They're not threatened. They're, by like it. we got you. You're ours. Yeah. It's, yeah. How do we? How do we level you up and you can go on to be better? You know, it's, it's not as they're, they're very unselfish that way. Like they understand like this isn't the end road for everybody. Right. You know? Yeah. That's so Which, cool. You know, that's amazing because how many places that you work at, you know, re- 
think think that way. Yeah, no, no. It's like they they uh um it's pretty rare. Um yeah. you'll you'll find you'll find that sort of thing. Um I mean, I yeah. got to I got to give it to to Mike Elizaldi and and uh, uh Spectral Motion when I worked there cuz I was just yeah. I was like when I was at Spectral, I was like Every, I was telling everybody, everybody knew I'm going to be an artist. I'm getting out of this industry. And uh, he was really supportive about that. Like, he would let me take time off. Like, I had, I got a show in uh, in uh, Berlin. And he, like, wow. totally, like, let me take off and, and yeah. go do that and come back and work there. He was he was really cool about that. So, it's it's like some some businesses most businesses make the mistake of being if not being that way you know but but everyone can thrive together you know it's like if you maintain a good relationship with this place you work that you loved you know you might be able to work together on something if you separate eventually or you know or or if you have a side thing you might be able to you know it's it's like there's enough yeah. for everybody yeah and i mean one of the you know i even one of the things to look at that they do, I think is so cool with the artists. Um, they do these, um, they do these YouTube based, um, well, they, they, oh, the profiles, the, the profiles they yeah. on there, but none of them are about sideshow. Right. Yeah. You know, sideshow promoting about the person and the artist and their struggles or their life or yeah. their, or whatever it is, their passions are on the side or how they came to be, it's totally about them. Dan, you know, Dan, do you know Dan Colonna? Yeah. Yeah. He was on the podcast. He's, he's in the dark art society, whole thing. And yeah, his, his, his one's crazy. His intense. His, I got to see his with, he was there in the theater. We, every year we used to do a company meeting and we'd do it in a theater uh, over where by where we work and um so they could fit the whole company you know and um they would promo those videos mm. first time you know so they promo dance oh man that's <laughs> i had fucking tears in my popcorn uh. bucket man <laughs> it was heart-wrenching it is it is yeah but I, I felt the same way when i watched it it was one of those things though that it's so true because when it was over greg says to everybody how do you think I think he said something like, How do you think Dan now looks at life every day? Right. And it's one of those things like, you know, like where you're realizing like, fuck, I take this for granted every day and yeah. but it's it could be over tomorrow. And yeah. I you know, and, and it was almost over for him. And it was like, you know, now he values probably every day mm-hmm. more so than others. And it's like and that's kinda like just one of those life lessons that's so hard to just learn on your yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. Something tragic happening. And so I, I yeah, I, it's, that, you know, my R's profile was nothing like that, but <laughs> it was just about my silly passion for mass making and, and whatnot. Cause I haven't, fortunately, I didn't had too much of that tragedy in my life. But man, when I, when I watched his, I was like, fuck, man, I'm, I, I, I had to like, look at people hide my fucking tears you know like heart wrenching man oh i know i know well he's doing great though i mean i just thought he he had a uh he recently had a a check like he checked they doctors checked him and he's they're still baffled 
Yeah. Like there's nothing, nothing's there anymore. So it's like amazing. So cool. So cool. That guy. Yeah. I, in, I wrote, I did write to him recently. I told him, man, cause he met, he was talking about the mental buildup to that. And I was like, oh, I, I can't even imagine. Imagine you have to go through that every year. You know, it's like, it's like having something so terrible to begin with. And then you're reminded every year of it. Right. And worry. You have to worry and have that, that, stress which is not good for you to think about is this going to be okay this time and right man i just cannot imagine and but i'm I'm very grateful that he that he's doing so well because we knew each other from the model kit industry when i used to go do wonderfest oh right those those shows that was part of my model kit years of doing those i you know i got to know dan real well and he was a good such a good guy yeah, when that all happened, it was just crazy. Well, it's like what just happened with the Black Panther, Chadwick. Uh, oh, the, right. It passed away. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I I never knew he had colon cancer. And yeah, I didn't either. I told my kid yesterday we were, we were chilling out, and I, I didn't know if I wanted to break the news to him because he's he loves Black Panther, and he loved the actor. And I was like, do I tell him or not? But then that – like a that side of me in my brain goes, you should just educate him and tell him what happened. They right. Just let him go, like, because this is real life, you yeah. know? And even though he's only, you know, eight years old or whatever, he should just start, he needs to start to understand that life's not forever, right? Yeah. Not that he hasn't heard of death. I mean, I've let him watch horror movies and shit with me. I'm trying to raise him the same way I was raised, I guess. But anyway, I broke yeah. it to him. I said, hey, uh, the actor that played uh, Black Panther died. And, uh, and he did like, what? Like that, wait, what? And I go, yeah, I, you know, this guy. And I showed him the picture. He goes, yeah. And he goes, wait, the, the actual guy that plays him? I go, yeah, he, he died. How? And he goes, well, he had cancer, you know, but he, apparently, you know, you know, he had it for, for a number of years. And, and he says to me, it's so crazy. He goes, but dad, I wanted to meet him. I never got to meet him. Oh, man. And it was like, oh. yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. You know, <laughs> I know. And, it, but yeah, I was just like, oh, my God. It was just, and now that's been on my mind for like the last day, you know, like, yeah. just, God, it's horrible. Yeah. But it teaches us to, you know, value each day, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. It's heavy. It's it heavy. is. I think about, I think about death all the time. Like I yeah. think about it all the time. Like not in a in a in like oh, I'm afraid of it happening, but it's like it's always there. And I, I don't know if it has to do with I've always been interested in it because it's aside from the the fear angle, it's a it's a fascinating subject because yeah. something happens that nobody knows what happens. You yeah, know? it's like how could that not be compelling? And something to think about because, and every single person, it happens to every single person. So, yeah. you know, if I, if I feeling, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with death in a way, but if I'm ever feeling weird about it or like nervous about it, you know, cause I'm getting older, I always think, well, it's it's what happens in nature and you know you can kind of always trust nature that nature is right yeah nature always works everything in nature works it might not be always pleasant but it's the way it's things are supposed to be and 
way if, to think about it. Yeah. yeah, and if that's the way it's supposed to be, then I guess I'm good with it. You know, you know, yeah. if it's good with na- if it's way. if it's good with nature, it's good with me. Yeah, I never <laughs> that way. That's actually interesting. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm always, I'm always busy. I don't know if you have this. I I have it where I'm always worried about. This is silly. I'm worried about how many fucking masks I'm going to make before I die. <laughs> like, it's a selfish th- thought, I think, but it's one of like, it's one of like, because you love doing this thing so much, you just really want to put as much out as you can. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's so it's, it sounds selfish, but at the same time, it's it's just a passionate thing. Yeah, I think. right. Yep. Uh, but it's it that thought crosses me a lot. Like not, Oh, I, I better be able to get as much out as possible, but like more like, just like, I want to put out as much cool art before I go as I can. Yeah, you know? for sure. That's the thought. And so that's always kind of a little bit of a worry. And then, you know, my, my biggest fear is leaving the kids behind too early, you know, oh, like, yeah. which is why, you know, which is why the, the, getting healthier, eating healthier. Um, now I work out every morning for 30 minutes. I try to, I try to do a, just a, without weights, just a mm-hmm. normal, just to be healthy. Keep, you know, I'm all like once a year getting my blood checked, just trying to stay healthy because yeah, yeah. I, I, we've all seen this, you know, we, we've all seen our friends go too early. I you know. know. Scared. Every time someone this happens and I see it on Facebook and I'm not real vocal about it. No, I'm not. I, because I just don't know how to be, uh, right. but I, but There's it's nothing you can say, really. That's yeah, and I always feel so weird saying something that doesn't maybe isn't come off right. Or yeah, something. I know, I know. Like, am I sounding like an idiot or am I sounding like genuine here? Right. You know, because you're always trying to be genuine. But I, I, I uh, it scares the shit out of me. You know, it 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 scares the crap out of me when one of our friends goes that we knew, oh, especially history yeah. or something. You know, you're just like. Yeah, so I, I'm always trying to, you know, because I don't, man, once once I'm gone, my grand, my parents are old, once they're gone, and, you know, my kids don't really have much left over, you know, like, but all the grandparents are gone almost. It's right. like, that, I remember when, when that, I remember when we first had Abe and he was one, and I was working on a Monster Palooza show, I was in the garage, and uh, it was the first time, and I don't know if you had this, um, you know, I, it hit me. It, it hit me like right around when he was, you know, one years old or whatever. That, like, oh fuck, what if I die? Like, what if or what if something happens to me? Oh yeah, yeah. I think what, when you have when you're a parent, you you always think that you know when when you got kids. Yeah, your priorities shift, and you weren't even. It's like getting punched in the face, right? <laughs> like, you're like. You're, you're, cause you're really, your focus has really just been all about like this passion and what you do, but then it's like hey, reality so- just yeah. smacks you like, Hey, wake up. There's this other person you're, you you got to take care I'm of responsible for. for yeah. And then, and then you're like, and then all the thoughts start coming in. Like I remember it was like a floodgate and I remember just getting like really emotional. Like while I'm trying to sculpt monsters, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what am I? You know, what? How do I deal with this? And it, yeah, man, it was it was um it was interesting, man, because uh, you just wake up like, fuck, it's not really about me; it's about them now. You know, yep. I got I got to take care of this 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 person and make sure everything's good before I go. So that's 
lately too you know that's that's never left and that's now been the the kind of like more so the drive i stopped doing all the shows i don't know if you knew that or not but i kind of stopped doing before this pandemic hit i stopped doing monster palooza and mass fest oh and yeah i quit because i got really burnt out in fact it was when i did that sideshow video um that they put out that was the last palooza i did and that was really hard for me to get through because we were shooting the video and i was trying to do all this work in a couple weeks but so I was, my stress level was through the roof but um yeah, I, I after that show, I remember, I remember talking to Steve Wang too. I told him like, "Hey, this is it for me. I'm done with the shows for a while. I gotta, I gotta back off. I'm, I'm totally burnt out." Yep, I was there. I, I've been there. I, I, I was there. I got to a point where, I, where I was like, "I'm. If I keep going like this, I'm definitely gonna die. Like, I'm, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna have a heart attack or something. I can't yeah. keep this pace up." Yeah, you know, it's scary because yeah, you, because you, you, yeah, you real because. And it sucks too because it's out of your control in a way. Like you want to keep going, yeah, but you physically like, can't do it. Physically can't do it, and and it's a it's a it's it's like one of those things that you have to come to terms with that you don't want to come to terms with. You right, know? right, yeah, yeah. But I I didn't realize until like because I was so worried about I don't know why, but I was so worried about not being a part of Monster Palooza and because I was there from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, losing your spot. Losing, yeah. I lose my spot, which I was right next to you all the time. Yeah, we were, all part, we were always neighbors. It was That's awesome. Right. And Steve Wang, but it, yeah, losing your spot and and I thought too, I had this worry that like I might lose a little bit of identity or or mm-hmm. you know, what I had built up and worked so hard to gain or get. And but then I guess it, it was weird. Like after a year, and I stopped thinking about it. I then one day realized like shit it's not really that big of a deal you know right right still me i'm still doing what i do I, it's not like i need to do it you know and i kind of came to terms with it finally but yeah it was, it was a rough a little bit of a rough road <laughs> yeah 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 I, I think that's a that's a maturing thing that happens yeah you know yeah I've absolutely def- i've definitely felt that way um i don't know like i've been so focused on success to do this because this is like you know my dad had such a hard time being an artist and making a living it was always like they struggled a lot so it was yeah. like i'm gonna make this work i'm gonna do this so i was willing to do anything to make it work which mostly included just me pushing so hard all the time for like you know t- 20 years pretty much just right. grinding it and i got to a point where i was like you know i'm I can't keep this up. And, and what turned out, what the way it turned out was it's actually keeping me from getting more successful by just like working too hard and not like slowing down and, and being smart about things. And it's like, it's almost like on the kind of a cosmic level when you are not so, when you're not when you're trying too hard it fucks you up kind of that's how yeah. i felt and so when i stopped trying so hard i i started getting more successful when i stepped back and was like you know what it's not you know i'm going to just not push so hard and it was yeah. like oh this is what i should have probably done a few years ago yeah that is that's so interesting to me because that's kind of what you know where i'm at too in a way now like trying to 
Like less is more. Right, right. Funny enough, but yeah. And I and I and funny enough, I've noticed a few artists that have I think are going through that where they they used to put out this enormous amount of work and then they start to slowly slow down a little because I think they're they're going through the same realization or or maybe or getting there. But I yeah, I realized that um, it's important to yeah, kind of like maintain the right balance and not worry so much about all the stuff. Right. Yeah. I had to let go of, of that a little bit. That, it was tough though. I mean, it was on my mind for like the last, I'd say the last three shows, Monster Palooza shows was on my mind and I was uh, every year just right. starting to talk like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, this is over. I can't, you know, but and a part of it too was like, I wasn't being able to, get enough time to create the kind of work I kept envisioning in my head and kept think wanting to do. And, yeah. That's frustrating. Yeah. Like knowing I could do really cool shit if I had more time. It's like a, it's kind of like the same as the movie business. Like here, you got three months. Well, man, if we had nine months, yeah, you know what we could make for you? You know, it's like that. And that's how Monster Palooza was. It was like, okay, three weeks again, three weeks again, three weeks again. And I, yeah, I'd crank out a shit ton of work, but it was just like killing myself. Right. The, the hours, as you know, I know you've been there. It's like when you're doing 15, 18 hour days, you're fucking done. You're toast. Oh, man. Yeah. It fucks you, it fucks you it up. It you up. Yeah, Physically yeah. and mentally, too. You know, I was yeah. really feeling, I would start feeling depressed. Yeah. Which I'm not like a depressive person, but I, after working like that, I would feel like negative. I'd have negative thoughts that yep. for no reason other than like my body was, you know, you're going to get your body's telling you to stop and yeah. you keep pushing it. And this is what you get. You know, this is, doesn't affect your mind or your body. Well, I guess we're talking kind of old man stuff in a way. But the thing, yeah, you know, too, I hope it's not too boring, man. Maybe we're being, yeah, maybe I'm bringing up too much boring oh. to no, no, no. I think it's interesting. I, what I was going to say is it's, you know, even if people, if you're a younger person or younger artist listening to this, I think it's, it's valuable to, to hear, you know, the lessons from the older dudes who've been through it. It's like, you could probably save yourself a little bit of trouble if you start thinking about this stuff earlier, you know, but I was also thinking, uh, you know, in a way it's, I wonder if that letting, letting go of producing so much is is part of the uh uh that that the not wanting to let go of that you, you were saying it's so hard for you to let go of that idea of stopping monster blues and stuff that is part of what you know makes you a great artist as well because that's part of that obsessive mindset that you just you're gonna do it yeah you're gonna do it no matter what you're gonna do it yeah. So, so it's kind of goes against your nature of, yeah, you know, <laughs> no, it felt, it was weird. It was like, it's like divorcing or something, right? You know? yeah. Went through going through a yeah bad breakup. That's how it felt. It was, it was hard to let go of. I remember that. Um, but yeah, once I did, it was, and I realized, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know, really, um, as I was making it out to be in my own mind. Right. You know? I mean, you, you've been through that then, I take it. You've kind of had the same – you've had the same burnout, obviously, and you've had the – Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you um, – I, <laughs> I did have one uh, – my worst 
my worst year uh, was like 2012. I think it was 2012. I decided not to just do masks. And um, I wanted to do these full f- – oh, shit. I brought them to your show, the full figure fish people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, there's a funny story behind that. I uh, Well, it's not fun. some of it's not funny, but it was, it was kind of miserable. But I I came back from a trip from, uh, I think, the the Kirk Hammett show up, up north. Uh, he did the – I forget what he called it. Um, but I came back from that. And on the way back, the drive back, I had this – I don't know why. I just had this massive inspiration in my mind to do – this family like of, of these Innsmouth, you know, HP Lovecraft yeah, yeah. inspired. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. And it's one of those things like, which is probably cool to get in to talk to for other artists since we're talking, but it's like one of those things where you just have that flash image in your mind. Right. You, you know, you, you already see it finished like in your mind. And that's, that becomes then the driving inspiration behind it. Mm-hmm. That happened to me driving back, probably because the drive was so fucking boring. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking of we we're, you know, Monster Palooza was coming, and in like six months or seven months or whatnot. And I was like, okay, you know, I should change it up. I should do something different. I've been doing masks, masks, masks. You know, let me go into like Mike Hill territory. You know, full right. figure. You know, not realizing how much fucking work that is, <laughs> and. uh so I had this great idea to do this family and I'm like, I'm going to do that and a few masks and whatnot. So I get underway and, you know, of course my budget on that went through the roof, you know, buying speed rail, which is not cheap to right. build pictures. You know, I didn't realize how expensive that really was. And so I get, you know, and I'm determined to do this thing. And, you know, my wife is like, of course, you know, knows better than I do. She's just like, it's cool. It's a cool idea, but you're putting all your, all your peanuts in one bag. You know, you're like, you know, which that was something I wasn't thinking at the time. Like, yeah, this is going to, I'm just thinking like how cool this is going to yeah, be. It's like big fucking thing. Right. You're not thinking, how am I going to sell this? How am I going to make my money back? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at first, you know? And she's, like you're basically banking on one big thing now that not a lot of people can buy, right? right? But I'm thinking in my mind, this is so cool, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but it does. Well, so I, uh, I set out to make this, and 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 as wisely as I possibly could, I sculpted just like up to here and uh, and like past the knees and not the whole body. And, right. Realize like you could just pad out shit and make clothes and it doesn't have to be, you know, it's mainly about the heads, the hands and the feet. And uh, so I did that and gave the guy a peg leg. Well, anyway, I so I get into this thing and I'm once I it's that passion like I drive once I'm into it, there's no stopping me, you know, like no matter what my wife says or anyone says and she knows it, there's no stopping me. And I'm just like, I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm finishing this on time. Well, fuck, dude. So <laughs> I get I get to the end of this thing. Not well, I get to painting, the painting part. And by the time I got to that, it's Thursday. No, I didn't even get to it then. It's yeah, th- late Thursday before Palooza. I'm just starting to paint. Oh shit. 
right? <laughs> oh, my God. I've been there before. It's a terrible place to be. <laughs> and truthfully, there's like two more work, two more weeks of work easily. On right. It. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not accepting it. Right. And my wife's like, I, I, and I'm, at this point, I got two friends that are out that, that are helping me and they're and and they're like, I don't know, man, you know, there's a lot to do. And I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm getting it done. I just wasn't used to failure. Right. right. I wasn't used to failing. I was used to always making it no matter what. Yeah. And so I'm pushing, pushing and I'm on like no sleep for like three days. Something oh like my that. God. Hey, it's like no sleep. Yeah. And I'm pushing and she leaves to go to Palooza and set my table up for me on Friday by herself with kids. Oh my God. Right. Like she should have killed me already. Yeah. <laughs> so, and my, and two buddies of mine who are setting up a table and, uh, she's, and so, you know, she brings what masks I had laying around just to have something on the table. Right. Cause there's not, cause this is all about this big piece. Right. Like I'll get it done. I'll get it done. So I'm in the shop alone and on no sleep and now it's friday night i missed the opening i'm painting and the stress level and everything is so fucking high that and i'm so tired i can't paint anymore i literally Mm -hmm. don't know how to work like i just everything feels like in slow motion and you just can't do it right Mine wants to, but you can't physically. Wow. I literally am trying to paint and can't, and I'm shaking and freaking out. And Oh, my God. Right? And I'm like, literally don't know it, but I'm starting to have like a mental breakdown in a way, right? Right. And Friday at 6 in the morning comes, right? And I'm supposed to be leaving in a few hours because at this point we're living a couple hours away from the show. I'm supposed to be leaving – and bringing this thing. Saturday, you mean? Saturday, 6 in the morning? Saturday, yeah, sorry. It's Friday night, Saturday morning, 6 a.m., the next day. Sorry, thanks for correcting me. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be leaving in a few hours, like, to go to the show to bring this. And it's not done. There's, (laughs) it's not painted. I've barely painted anything. I, I just can't work. And I just, like, break down, tearing, like, bawling. Wow. you know, sitting with this unfinished piece of art that my wife is over there telling everyone Friday, like, Where's <laughs> oh, he's bringing this awesome big piece to tomorrow. He can't make it. Tomorrow. And she's like playing it. I call her, dude, I call her at six in the morning, right? I wake her up oh and I'm just like fucking frustrated and broken down. And, you know, and I'm like, I can't fucking get it done. I'm sorry. And she's just like, Dude, you know, she's just like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You know, <laughs> like she's got the game. She's already thinking. Like she already knew, like I wasn't going to get it, right? And, you know, she's like, you're going to grab all the other masks in the shop and you're going to go home, sleep. Don't come here. Sleep and, and get some sleep and then come here later and bring the rest of the masks to fill out the table. And I'll manage it while you're while you're not here. And I'm just like. Okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you know. So, um, but the funny part was, which I got, I forgot the funny part. That so, d- roughly around two or three in the morning, that Saturday or that Friday night, which is now Saturday, right? Two or three in the morning, Saturday. Um, 
I started hallucinating before I broke down. I started badly hallucinating. And now I'm in like a 1,200 square foot shop, right? So the door to come in is way at the other end. I'm at the back of the shop painting these figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and like fucking weird bugs start like by my head. Oh my like, God. Hallucinating. And I'm almost passing out on my feet. My, knee, my knees are buckling on me. And I'm like literally actually passing out. And then waking up, like catching myself, oh my God. you know, and so then I'm um, so so then I shit you not. This was the craziest part. I'm painting. It must be like 3 a.m. I see my wife walk in the shop out of the corner of my eye. Now, she's asleep at a hotel out at Pasadena. Oh, my God. Right. Or, or Burbank. Right. Uh, Burbank. She's not anywhere. near. I see her walk in the shop. And I literally like hallucinate and That's see her crazy. And, and I go like this, like, what are you doing here? Like freaking out. And there's no one there. Oh right? my God. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like, whoa. And I, I and my mind, I can't grasp what the hell's going on. Wow. But hallucinating and passing out. So then, you know, back to the 6 a.m., I break down, I call her, she sets the new game plan. And, and I do the stupidest thing. Talk about stubborn, right? This is stubborn artist for you right here. I go home. I take a quick uh, shower. And then I'm so tired. I'm like, I'm going to chill in a bath for a minute and relax. So I start that. I'm chilling. Uh-huh. Passed out, which is totally dangerous. Oh, my God. Fucking bathtub, right? I wake up like, you know, <laughs> what the fuck? I get, I get out. <laughs> I get dressed, I pound a monster, <laughs> <laughs> and I get all the masks in my Jeep and drive to Palooza uh, and to be there on time at like Saturday at 10 a.m., right? All right. Like just get there. And um, I was so bummed and devastated the whole show that I think I just didn't talk to anybody and just kind of like avoided everything. And I remember people like afterwards are like, I don't remember you at the show. And it was like, I was there, but I was so not there right. as a person, you know, my normal self that, and I was so devastated and we ended up having our worst year ever. Like I sold nothing because I had like all the same shit right. that we just brought and I didn't have this big, and everyone's asking, that was the worst thing. Cause like I've got every single person walking up to me like, where's this piece? Where's the piece? Where's the piece? <laughs> oh, it's man. Like, Fuck me. You know? And I was just like, it was the worst feeling ever. So I guess the lesson there is, you know, don't bite off, you know, more than you can chew. Right. We, we tend to do that. Oh, yeah. Make it. But that that was the, the, the craziest year for me. And it's funny because I think that was the turning point to leading to quitting. In right. A way. Like quitting, but just slowing it down. Right. You know, like, okay, you're starting to, to try to, to do too much. But the beauty of that, if there was, is then – when you hit me up to do conjoined, I forget which one that was. I yeah. had that big piece. Right. I got some chat. Like, let's. Can I? Yeah, bring- it was like amazing. It was. It was like the centerpiece <laughs> of the show. It was awesome. Yeah. So it, in a funny way, it, you know, with that, and I was able to share it at Son of Palooza the next year. It was, and I was able to finish it the way I wanted, right. the way I sent it. So that was really cool. Is that you know, yeah that happened but the the positive of it was like 
there was other shows I could show it at. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, was- and if you if you if you would have maybe stopped and slowed down earlier, you could have been like, maybe I'll just do one character because I have time to do that, and then do the rest of them. That, that would have been the smart thing to do, right? Or just the head, the- I could bring the. <laughs> yeah, I could do the mom, the dad, a baby. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. It yeah. was amazing. So I I, I could see. Yeah, being driven to finish that thing for the show but but yeah i mean it, it ended up being uh, amazing to show it in, con- in conjoined for sure you know like for yeah. the right crowd for it too yeah it and uh eventually um i did sell the piece for a, a decent amount oh not, good not crazy it went to um, netherworld haunt haunted house i forget where they're at but netherworld they're a big famous they have it on display oh yeah that's cool taking real good care of it. in fact the guy set it up with where the eyes um not not animatronically but just through um how they do that with uh optics or whatever they do like a like a they project eyes moving on it so oh, cool it looks like he's like looking they have it set up really nice it's in a nice home where people can walk through and see it and have fun and take pictures next to it and shit like that so that's great it's cool to know that it's being taken care of but yeah no that was that was a, a lesson learned man <laughs> that's a that's a happy ending and, and a, a good place to end the podcast too because we're at like two almost two and a half hours yeah, we've and, done it. We've done a long one here. <laughs> it was a long one, but it was awesome. It was great talking well, to you, man. I yeah, you too, man. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, sharing sharing those stories. This is a, this is a really excellent episode. Uh, awesome. And finally, to get to get to know you, really, you know, we we we've crossed so many paths, and I've done some of your shows, and we, we but we never really. Uh, and it's hard with shows because you're we're so, we're too busy to really know. Keep up and know one another, and we've never had that time to sit down and chat and stuff so it, it, I, yeah it's cool and honestly i've in the back of my mind too i've always had that like ah oh, man one of these days i gotta sit down and just talk to chet right yeah so yeah that did happen this way so yeah this is what it how it's turned out for me with all these you know m- most of the artists on here it's like are people i know like you where it's like i've known you for a while yeah, but we never sat down and hung out and talked. So it's like yeah. it's such a cool uh, little side thing for me yeah. personally, you know. That that yeah, that I get that out of it, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's it's amazing that you're giving that to other artists, and and it, I know it, it. You have a big following, and that helps. You know, you're promoting others. That's amazing. I mean, that not not everybody does that too, you know, and that's. To me, like uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and having me on here. That's awesome. Oh, my! I I appreciate you coming on the show, taking your time out. <laughs> Absolutely, no, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know a lot of a lot of people are excited. I, I announced it in the our Facebook group, so um, people were stoked to hear that you're on. So, oh, cool. Yeah, so thanks for for coming on, and uh, thank you, audience, for listening to the show. Thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you. Uh, I don't know if I should say. Okay, if you want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash darkartsociety. Patreon.com. Yeah. I always say that at the <laughs> end, and then I also say it in the beginning. And it's like I have to stop saying it at once <laughs> one one of those places. <laughs> so I guess it'll be the beginning. Anyway, all right. So 
Say goodbye to everybody. Just say, just say goodbye to everybody. Just say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody.